Welcome to episode 155 of Sorry, You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films my favourite mutant, James. Good day, sir. How are you doing, James? I'm fine, mate. You know, fighting a good fight. Life is good. Good? How are you? I'm good. Yeah, life is good. I mean, I've not been good. Oh, sorry. I've been ill, <laughs> which is why this episode is late coming out. Yeah, I got a bug. I'm going to talk about it in a bit, but yeah, but I'm better now. I've got two Dr. Peppers and a pick a mix in front of me. I'm going to go to talk about X-Men. Life is good. Now. Life is good. <laughs> uh, if this is your first time, welcome. We get around the mics each week, talk about a different movie topic or theme within movies on the quest to find the greatest of all time. So we will leave no stone unturned on this quest. So we've done all sorts of weird and wonderful episodes. Like last week, we did Sean Bean. The week before that, we did Spider-Man. But we've done all sorts of uh, different episodes for you to go back and digest. There's... I think something for everyone. There is something for everyone. Amy Adams, everyone loves her. Clint Eastwood, everyone loves him. He-Man. He-Man. Sometimes we just play games, mate. We do A to Z. Some of the greatest episodes, A to Z, we just pick something, actors, Just talk films. film. Talk film. Talk film. In two, our, sorry, oh, I was just going to say, we're two fans talking about fan-loving film. Yeah. And we don't script anything. We don't plan anything. Kind of come up with a basic gist, press record, and this is what you get. We're sorry. That's <laughs> literally what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, but you no, know, it's been fun and it's been, a, it's been a great road so far. And thank you everyone who uh, downloads or listens or streams. If you do like it, don't forget to share with your friends, put it on social media, leave us a review, uh, subscribe. You get a new episode each and every week, maybe a day late. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but you will get one uh, every single week. So uh, this week, as we talked about, we did Spider-Man a few weeks back, the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi trilogy. We did. And I was like, that was really fun. I really enjoyed revisiting it and doing the kind of research around that. The, well, a little bit of prepping that yeah, I did around that. It was like, well, it wasn't the first of, like, it wasn't the the gateway um, comic book movie that's responsible for everything. Now, I suppose maybe X-Men was a little bit before mm, that. Maybe. And could be seen as a bit of a catalyst to, to get people into uh, comic books or at least to start showing how big A-list actors can be, uh, you know, uh, cast in these kind of movies that notoriously were for the readers and actually introduced a whole new bunch of people to the franchises, including myself, because I didn't grow up reading comic books, but I certainly love comic book movies. I think this is a special time as well, the early 2000s when Marvel, desperate, absolutely desperate to stay in business, sold the rights to all of their famous franchises, <laughs> X-Men being the biggest comic book that um, they ever owned. And when Disney took over, they um, they stopped promoting X-Men because they didn't own it, they didn't, they couldn't get future rights on it. So X-Men was this huge thing. I don't I know we're going a bit ahead. X-Men to me was huge growing up because of the animated series. 1992, quite possibly the best animated TV series I've ever seen. It was so grown up, so in your face. I loved Wolverine, despite the fact he looked like a pillock. I absolutely adored it. Genuinely, when I got the Disney app, first thing I did, oh, X-Men animated series. Mate, he's fantastic, isn't it? He yeah. still holds up. I think as well, if you talk about voice actors and we mm. talk about the love of animation, the um, character of Apocalypse, his voice, mate, oh, as a child, it used to terrify the piss out of me. What a fantastic, I was so adult. It was like, mm. mutants are scum. You know, that's what, that's how it's like, this is, these are the good guys. I was on Magneto's side. You know, it was such, all of these characters, and, and even if they were my new characters, like I remember in the first series, Morph, who dies off, they kill off the main characters in the first episode. Jubilee is essentially pants. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a bit of a Jubilee. I hate her so much. She shot fireworks. Have a word. Good thing I took that out of my uh, quiz questions for later. What was Jubilee's powers? <laughs> we are going to talk about the original, maybe the first three X-Men movies. Yes. 
So X Men, X Two, and then Last Stand. They're the. That's really what we're focusing on for this episode, we and are. it may lead to future episodes around. I think we just got to do a summer of non-Avengers movies, mate. That's yeah, I just think it'd be great. We could do Blade. We could do the Hulk films that no one talks about. We could, yeah, actually, maybe the Punisher. You know, mate, all sorts that we mate, could do. I'm looking forward to this summer. So uh, we may do the Wolverine movies, them three. We may do the prequel, first class. Mm, yeah. But I, I've said numerous times on this podcast, and really, the reason why I wanted to go back to X Men to do it this week was I've, I'm I'm all hazy about this timeline. You are the timeline. You're, you're just trying to make sense of it. I remember coming out of the cinema watching, uh, the best way to describe it to you would be X-Men First Class 2, called Days of Future Past. Yeah. I thought that was amazing, man. I thought it was one of the best things I've ever seen in the cinema. So I really like this like storyline that we're going down. I like what happens to it. I like the fact that it's told with love. And when we get into it, I think some of the best decisions were made. You were talking about A-list actors. You're talking about Ian McKellen. You're talking about Patrick Stewart. But also took a, like a huge Ackman is the star he is now because of these films. Because yeah. he, he, there was a risk. Cast Wolverine is huge Ackman. Everyone at the time was like, who is this Australian prick? <laughs> now he's everyone's Australian prick. I love Hugh Jackman. Exactly. And it, you discovered him in that episode of uh, Neighbours, right? He, he was Australian, so he's either been in Neighbours <laughs> or home and away. away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I, know, I do. I do love Hugh Jackman. I remember very fondly going and watching the first X Men movie at the cinema. I think it was just me and my buddy Rob, the only two people in there, Ooh. and just being excited, you know, like the, of because I had like memories of the cartoon, and even though I didn't read comic books, you know, the Wolverine character is iconic. Is iconic. Cyclops is iconic. Storm. <laughs> Cyclops is iconic for being the one that no one wants. To no be. one wants to be. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, Professor X. Like people know the names of these characters, even if they maybe don't know the storyline. So it was a great sell for a movie to go into and just be like, yeah, let's see it. And to be honest, we'll go through it in a moment, but that first movie is still pretty fucking good. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to, I genuinely, you know, when you're listening to something, when we rewatch things for this program, the earth for this show, there's always this sometimes, where it's never going to age that well. And do you know what? The points in that first one where I was putting the DVD and I was like, is this going to be as good as I remembered? Mm. Or spoilers. Mm. Well, actually, no, when I was, I'll tell you later. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers later. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll get into that. But before that, like I say, I've been ill this week, so we are delayed. This is like the third attempt at trying to record this one. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, I've been trying to watch some things uh, so I watched, started watching The Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's I've, Tale? I've heard great things about that. I've also heard terrible things. Is it based on a book? Yeah. Have you read the book? No. Because apparently parts of it aren't like the book at all. So it's the great debate. Can you remember when I, I didn't watch Breaking Bad and then I did watch Breaking Bad and it turns out I didn't know what Breaking Bad was about? Yeah. I used to, I thought it was Brian Cranston, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, filling out a bucket list <laughs> and thought hey, it sounds really exciting in the first know. one is make math yeah, well, that's <laughs> in the I mean. second one is go to Rio <laughs> well, no I thought it was like you know filling out a load of things on his bucket list and I was like well, ultimately he's going to die it's, it's happy sad I'm not really into it and then like I said that to one of my friends when it was on like season three and it was like the biggest show on television and yeah. I was like and he's like no it's about meth and I went <laughs> no it isn't he's like yeah no meth and I was like the drug <laughs> like turns out yeah. I didn't know what Broken Bad was about. Yeah. Also, it turns out I didn't know what The Handmaid's Tale was about but, because I thought period piece. I thought period piece. I, Not I'm, period piece, James. I'm assuming they're dressed as nuns or something, aren't they? Yeah, they're dressed as handmaids. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's this, it's, 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 I mean, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's bleak, man. It's fucking bleak. <laughs> like, this is like dystopian future. Where... Is, it, is it like bleak as in like True Detective episode three, where you wake you as an audience member just thinking, maybe I should fucking throw myself out the window. <laughs> well, well, it's bleak as in like, I mean, I feel guilty for being a man. I feel guilty for like, just loads of things. Like, it's a dystopian future where uh, basically 
women are becoming barren and it's becoming very mm. difficult to start having children. I think they give a statistic very early on that many um, are infertile and then even those that do go on to pregnancy, not many of the babies live. And, oh, okay. and it's this uproar in society, particularly in America where this is set, where they believe, well, there's certain religious factors believe uh. that potentially it's God punishing them. And there's this like, I mean, it's told through flashbacks. You pretty much go into it where it's already happened. And then in episodes, you see kind of flashbacks of life before. Like a bit like Lost. Yeah, where you see this sort of uprising of this like shadow society that have this rule, like this way that they believe the world should work where, you know, that the men of power are treated, you know, like royalty and they're all called commissioners and commanders. I mean, that sounds awesome. The wives, when you wait to the next bit, (laughs) (laughs) the the wives of those basically lose all their rights. They can't read. They they don't watch television. And then those women that are still able to get pregnant become handmaids where basically they're there to be impregnated by men. Yeah. By these powerful men. So, you know, they live in my previous statement. (laughs) They they live in the house and they, you know, they're they're kind of, I mean, they are, they're a slave. They're a, you know, um, they're victim to rape and all this kind of stuff in this effort to repopulize earth or or at least America, these like places. And it's, it's really weird because I'm watching it. I'm like, how the fuck did they get to this (laughs) scenario? And it's terrible. I mean, it's horrible. Like it's, um, you hear that, you know, so there's this town Gilead, which is where it's all set and no one gets out of it. Um, and you're just thinking, where's the rest of the world coming in here, storming down the walls and fucking stopping this shit? You know, it seems to be everyone's like, no, okay, yeah, run with it, guys. You're on your own. You it's know, fucking do Sweden to the rescue. It's <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> and, like, and so I'm kind of more into it to see like, well, because I'm always fascinated with um, adaptations from books. Because I always think writers, the best writing is when they write themselves in a corner and you as an audience member think, ah, the fuck are they going to get out of this? And then it's just like every Harry Potter episode, every Harry Potter book. There's like, do you remember that ability to like turn back time, which would be really helpful for the rest of us? Oh, destroyed. Destroyed, yeah. Destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. God, imagine if Hermione used that any other time <laughs> in any other film. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, Doctor Who is a TV oh, show. It's the get out, isn't it? Last two minutes, he sonic screwdriver can do anything. Yeah, Star Trek, obviously, famously just like do science yeah they do it and it's this i'm like i do not know how the hell they got to this point where like say like the every you know it's it's really weird it's i can't even begin to it is unique it is something that i haven't seen in a tv show before you know like say everyone's kind of set these roles these tasks there's these laws it's very communist people are hung on in the streets for being gay or people are hung for again like say if women read or kind of go out of what they're being told they're allowed to do it's very you know oppressive kind of tv show but it's all but it's fucking gripping and harrowing and horrible and it's but it's got elizabeth moss in it i love elizabeth it's fucking moss. brilliant isn't it like yvette yvonne stretton's we talked about her a few yes. weeks ago she's in yes, as well, she isn't she? Yeah. yeah from mass fact yeah. mate oh i'm so proud of you I right remember now remember and dexter mass fact. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it is. Do you know what? It is worth it. I mean, like, series one, it, I mean, but don't get me wrong. It's not like it's a it's jolly not like, show. It's not like, oh, what a great move. <laughs> I, I, I watched two back to back the other night and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to bed what, now. What is life? <laughs> it's like dark and I just wanted some sunlight or something just to feel good. And no, it is bleak. It's dark. But yeah, so apparently I didn't know what the fuck that show was about. Mate, Handmaid's and, um, Tale. Yeah. Where is that? It's on Amazon. And it's on Amazon. I, I've always wanted to watch it. Mate, I can, I can beat you for... Well, I guess this this experience didn't have the emotional drain that Handmaid uh, Handmaid's Tale had on you. But I went to the cinema the other day with a friend, and uh, I we thought it'd be fun to go back and to a special time when life was good and and wholesome, and tunes could play basketball 
Oh my God. Oh, Space I, Jam. I've seen Space Jam A New Legacy and I tell you what, mate, I never thought an animated film would miss the point <laughs> so hard. The story's about LeBron James. He's a terrible father. Nothing really. Right, if you'd replace Bugs Bunny with, with Jon Snow, and the reason I bring that up is because it's not Toon World, it's the, uh, like the, the infosphere where an AI has become sentient, played by Don Childe. And he is fucking, mate, he had ham for dinner. He's ham for lunch <laughs> and he's giving you ham. It's over the top acting. I can tell that he's having fun. He's just like, I'm getting paid. I couldn't give a toss. Overacts to a billionth degree. Ducks to a position. I've never seen anyone act hu- uh, act less human before than LeBron James. <laughs> it, <laughs> I've it, it heard was, this criticism, yeah. It, it was. It was, I didn't know who was animated and who was real. <laughs> Uh, the story sets place in like the computer. So, the, so they've kind of gone away from the, and I quite like that, you know, the world's changed. So the, it's not Toon World. It's in the computer where they store all of the rights that Warner Brothers owns. So there's a Game of Thrones world. There's a DC world. So when they go recruiting, Bugs Bunny, um, LeBron James wants Superman as like his point guard or like a dragon from Game of Thrones as his defense. And it's actually really cool. So I was like, oh my God, they could do anything with this. It turns out they don't. Yeah. <laughs> there's like 30 seconds where you think, oh, this could be really fun. And it's the best bits of Daffy Duck, but then again, it's Daffy Duck anyway. But the most important thing to remember about uh, this film is it, it doesn't spoil the greatest thing about Space Jam, and that is the fact that it's 25 years later and the Space Jam website is still up. That website will never die. <laughs> It'll never die. Not a pleasant experience, mate. That's a shame because that sounded then like Ready Player One, which I thought they had that creative freedom with so many characters, yeah. and they I think they used it really well. And love, hate, or dislike, or whatever, Ready Player One, you can't not be impressed by... The amount of stuff they've the, got just, in it. Yeah, the nerdy like references throughout that entire movie. What genuinely hurts this film is that, um, one, I don't know who I don't know who they think their target audience is. I know it's kids, but it plays on the nostalgia of, do you remember when you liked Toons? Which, you know, I love Bugs Bunny. I love mm. Daffy Duck. But there's a reason why I'm not watching them now, because it's not funny to me anymore. It's, it's a generational thing. Also, it's, it's needlessly complicated for a children's film. Like the villain gets LeBron James's son to design the bag. It's a story about a father who doesn't love his son. And in the end, he appreciates him. Fuck me. The big cameo from Michael Jordan. I'm, I'm spoiling this because you shouldn't watch this. It, this is actually quite funny. Do you know what? I've applauded in it when this happened. They get the wrong Michael Jordan. They get Michael B. Jordan. Mate, nice. I did enjoy that. I thought, you know what? Well played. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Travis, do a film before I burn it. Kill yeah, it I've not heard good things about it, man. Kill it with fire. Not a good things. Not a good things. Um, How great would it be though? A team of basketball players versus the characters from Game of Thrones, <laughs> mate. On that, Giants, <laughs> mate. Oh yeah, if there's Giants in it, then yeah, I'm all exactly. About it. It'd be freaking awesome. Oh. Let, let's X Men it up then, because if someone's downloaded this episode, which no doubt will be called something to do with X Men, um, they're probably like saying, "Come on, you're 15 minutes in, get on with it." I'm, I'm sorry. Just like the Joe Butler episode. Yep. Um, always go back. Always go back to that one. Uh, so we're going to talk about X-Men uh, again, just as always, whenever we do a comic book episode or pretty much any episode, really, yep. it's always worth mentioning that not an expert, never going to claim to be. Um, this is certainly not, um, I, I appreciate that to some people, this is their like bread and butter. This is Citizen Kane. It's in their blood. Yeah. Like they're like, X-Men's my favorite or that's my favorite character or them comic books or that franchise or whatever. Um, so we're just doing it as as people that appreciate it. So as always, just in case we do get anything wrong, but do let us know. Um, but one thing before we go into like dissecting the movies, one thing I've always loved about comic books or adaptations from comic books, whether that be your more in-depth, meaningful, you know, ones like, you know, they're written by Neil Gaiman or you look at uh, the Alan Moore stuff. 
for me, X-Men is always, I've always felt it's about inclusion. It is. And about people coming together, the outcasts, the people finding a home, finding identity, finding, you know, who they are through friendship, through, and, and I, I've always, I think, and I think what resonates with a lot of audience members is X-Men is a universally appreciated, because it's about inclusivity, not yeah. exclusivity. So it's, it's, it's so as well brazen. I, so as an adult, this doesn't surprise you at all. But I remember when I was a child and someone explained it to me as it's about civil rights, the civil rights of, of a species of humanity that isn't accepted by others and how it's, it's very poignant. It's telling you a story that obviously as a child you're ignorant of. Um, and I just remember the, the, when someone told me once, they just went, Malcolm X and uh, Martin Luther King. And I know it sounds really stupid, but as a child, it really opened my eyes to what comic books could be. Like, mm. oh my God, it's actually, it's actually more than a guy with knives. Or spandex. Stabbing, and, stabbing, yeah. stabbing a robot. It's, it's actually about, like you said, inclusion. It's about respect. It's about being equal. I was just remember thinking, oh, I just want him to stab shit. But it, I suppose that's why it transcribes to the screen so well. Oh, yes. More so than maybe some other comic book adaptations, not naming any in particular, but... Punisher. <laughs> maybe, yeah. But it, I suppose that's why it translates really well because there are themes, there are feelings in these that people can gravitate towards that you can connect with and I think therefore has a bit of a voice. And and I suppose in a kind of art imitating life kind of way, the comic book fans, have, you know, I imagine, was very much in that camp. This, You know, you go back to 2000s and all of a sudden your love is on the big screen, you yeah. know, something that maybe previously wasn't, and certainly in comparison to today's standards, not as universally loved and praised. And then all of a sudden someone who's maybe passionate about the, the source material is like, yes, at last, a movie for me. And, and so I think whether or not these movies don't age well or it's certainly in the timeline, there are some dodgy X-Men spin-offs there are some very bad ones. Oh, we know that. X-Men Origins was the greatest one ever made. Yeah, right. Well, it's, it's time will come. But certainly you can't go can't go wrong by going back to the original trilogy and just just basking in its, you know, early 2000s brilliance. Not you, last stand. <laughs> it's time will come. Now, James, even though I've been ill, I have had the chance to prepare multiple little quizzes and games throughout. Uh, and since there's only two of us, uh, they're all directed, directed at you. <laughs> Great. Good luck. <laughs> I, uh, I win. <laughs> I, I'll drop them in uh, from time to time. But let's begin with a bit of a backstory behind the X-Men, uh, how it all started. So like many of Marvel's wonderful creations, the X-Men were created by... Uh, Stanley and uh, Kirby, right? Yes, exactly. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the debut X-Men number one came out in September 1963. Now, this was the result of Marvel fans requesting less individual heroes and wanting to see more team-ups and ensembles fighting together. Makes sense? Because I imagine they were just done with origin stories, surely. Um, well, actually on that, so what Stanley did was instead of having to write multiple backstories, um, which he would develop later uh, in the comic book series, instead what he decided was that all mutants would be born with a gene that made them mutants. That's such a great cop out. It's just like, where does he, where does he get his powers from? He's just like, I thought he's born with it. Just go on. I don't care. I mean, you, I imagine, you know, as, as a comic book creator, there's, there must be that point where when you've, when you've done this, you put pen to paper and you're like, this is what it's going to be. And you've kind of crafted that initial elevator pitch, you know, well, they're all born with something different. Now all of a sudden you've got a playground. Yeah. Like how do you pick who your main antagonist is going to be? There's nothing, well, obviously it's their powers, isn't it? So it's just essentially, <laughs> you're essentially playing God. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my Maybe God. That's what it means. <gasps> that's who Stanley is. 
Um, so Marvel bosses wouldn't greenlight a series called The Mutants, so instead they settled for X-Men after their leader, Professor X, uh, a name which still causes some controversy in today. Um, but it is linked, again, like I say, to the X-Gene, which I, I'm not sure if that's in the comic books or whether that was something that they put into the movies, but certainly um, X-Gene, the Gene X is what gives mutants their powers. Yeah, no, I... I yeah, do you know what? I did read some of these comic books. I don't actually know, have an answer for you. So the uh, initial uh, concept carried into the first three films was around Charles Xavier wanting mutants to live in harmony and peace with equal rights to humans uh, whilst battling evil villains, mutants uh, contend on overruling mankind. I really like this in the films with Magneto's character and Professor X's character that they, they it's not a physical rivalry between the two and that, you know, they never come to blows or punches or using their powers on each other. It's respect. There's a mutual respect. And there are some, some of my favorite scenes in the original trilogy are the angel and devil scenes where they're on screen together talking to someone and one is trying to, is, pu- is pushing a, you know, peace and, and harmony kind of speech. And the other one is like, no, we are better than them. We are more powerful. We're the superior creation. Also, some of my favourite writings when they're talking about each other in separate scenes. And I'm, it's, it's not one for me to say nice things about The Last Stand, but one of my favourite scenes is when Magneto's talking about the death of Charles Xavier. And he says, and, you know, I think it's Pyro celebrates. He goes, I'm glad he's dead. And then, like, Magneto slaps him down. And he's like, he did more for the mutant cause than you ever will. Yeah. It's just like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Yeah, yeah. He says that was, that's the greatest loss in this battle. Yeah, and I just think, I, stuff like that, mate, that is, that's shit hot. Yeah. And that, and do you know what? Throughout all how many movies that goes on for, that's great respect. And that's just credit to the characters as well. And it's different, isn't it? You don't see that normally, you know, like, and Magneto as a, as a villain... He's a great villain, really, because yeah, he's not because he's kind of right. <laughs> well, uh, you know, he's got he, he's got an agenda that yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not like the Black Panther agenda where you like kind of see the, what the villain's saying. Um, so Xavier would go on to recruit a series of mutants to protect the world, including those that fear and hate them, and that's always something that's beautiful. I think in the writing as well is that even those humans that you know, are anti-mutant, you know, protesting against mutant rights that, you know, the heroes would still save those guys and still look out for those, uh, you know, individuals as well. So Xavier, a powerful super uh, telepath, uh, would go on to create an academy for the gifted youngsters in Westchester, New York. Um, So this was all about education, learning, Fighting. Mutant powers. <laughs> I love the fact that I, this, this is me. It's like you wake up at 6 a.m. because, you know, Xavier, he's hard on the kids, but for their own good. You've got ancient history. You've got maths. You've got laser beams. <laughs> then after lunch, you've got mathematics. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's better than my school. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. Because in my school, it was knife dodging. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, it, you know, at the Mutant Academy. Like, where would you go to, like, buy a fag? <laughs> yeah. What advice? Do they have a bullying problem? Because how? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the uh, the original lineup. Imagine being an Ofsted inspector. <laughs> Kids on fucking fire. Requires improvement. <laughs> Flames not bright enough. Professor X is like, get out. <laughs> inspector starts walking like a chicken. Like, I'm not doing anything. Um, the original lineup in the X Men comic books was Cyclops, Iceman, uh, Beast. Uh, Hank McCoy, obviously, uh, Warren Worthington III, and Jean Grey, Marvel Girl, originally. No, I didn't know about Marvel Girl. Well, Warrington III became Angel, didn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Iceman, obviously, Bobby Drake, who's in the uh, comic books, and like I say, Beast, Cyclops, Scott Summers. Um, 
pitted against the leader of the Brotherhood of Evil, Magneto. So even from episode one of the comic books, all the way back in 1963, Magneto was the established villain, who I also think in the animated series in the 90s, yeah. episode one, Magneto is the villain. It's like well-established. In the in the opening credits, mate, when the X-Men are running out of the Brotherhood, uh, the, front, the, the leader of the Brotherhood is Magneto. Yeah. In the films, you won't see him running. Yeah, I know. Right? Or doing much. He can levitate. <laughs> he can levitate. What a badass fucking, like, power. Like, you can manipulate metal with your mind. Move metal with your mind. Yeah. Fucking awesome. It is awesome, except for, I really want it to be, like, really, like, pathetic. Like, do the, do the fillings in it. It's like, do they hurt? Well, when Beast. he sucks the iron out of that dude in like That's the second cool. movie, that is so fucking cool. The, but I love the fact is there are moments when he just forgets he can use him. Like, you know, the final scene of uh, the last time he stood there and all the mutants are getting killed by the cure. And at no point does he realize there's a giant bridge behind him that he could literally just throw at the building and the match, and the, the match, the fight would be over. Don't worry about it. Or the fact that Alcatraz is made of metal. <laughs> that might come up. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing, isn't it? This, this, is, this is my big issue with um, when you get... You know, it's great that you've got Saria McKellen, who really does bring Shakespeare yeah. to the performance. Like, he really does in some of them scenes, particularly the third one. The third the third <laughs> last stand, he's like, I'm going to take the villain to, like, 110%. I'm yeah. going to make him, like... You just play cartoonish villain at yeah. some point, yeah. Which is good. <laughs> when you've got Fassbender as, like, the prequel Magneto, and then I've said this numerous times on the podcast, and all you get the dude doing is fucking spinning in the air, yeah. moving rubble that's not even metal... It's like, come on. It doesn't on. really make any sense in that. In He's that. like, that is so much stuff you could do. Um, I'm going to hit you straight off, James, with a bit of a quiz, just to whet the appetite. And, and t- do it to me, baby. It's a bit true or false. Good. Make so, it as easy as humanly possible. Yeah, so you just guess. And yeah. if you get it right, you'll be like, yeah, I knew that. And yeah. if I get it wrong, I you say, oh, you know. 50-50, yeah. Uh, okay, so we know that the comic book originally came out in 1963. First question, Wolverine didn't appear till 1974. True. That is true, yeah. I remember Wolverine was a late addition. Didn't he start with his own origin comics and then got brought into the X-Men to save their falling numbers? Or I just made that bullshit up? That is, uh, well, my next question, James, which is the answer to that, oh. is Wolverine's first appearance was in The Incredible Hulk, true or false? True, because he was is. fighting The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, like, so yeah. he was sent out to kill. And then I think his next mission was to go kill Professor X. And Professor X changes his mind. <laughs> he sent him the thought of, maybe don't. Yeah, <laughs> well, pretty, pretty much. Wolverine was like, oh, oh, oh. never thought of it like that. And then what carries through into the movies is if you, uh, if you don't kill me, I'll help you find out where you're from, your oh. past, I'll unlock that kind of stuff. Um, Wolverine's real name is James Howlett, true or false? Uh, true. That is true, yeah. Uh, born in the 19th century, thought to be the illegitimate son of the Howlett's groundkeeper, Thomas Logan. Ah, that's where Logan comes from. Mm. Oh. Aww. So Wolverine fought with Captain America in World War One. True. No, is it World War Two? It's World oh, War Two. Yeah, it's World False. War Two. Sorry, I oh, all crafty, crafty. Oh no, I'm not going to win this competition against myself. <laughs> <laughs> in the comics, Wolverine joins the X Men by choice. False. Yeah, I've already because, given that because, game away because he tells him he, he's going to kill. Uh, you know what you already said it. That's yeah, the he's joke. part of the Weapon X program. Uh, Cyclops is considered uh, as the first X Men. Ooh. So he was in the original lineup, but I'm was he gonna, the first? I'm gonna go true. But I don't. Think, it's one of those things that you, you just you think Cyclops. And you go, it must be true, despite the fact that he is a ball bag. <laughs> it is true. Oh, it's true. Oh. Why, why do people not I like Cyclops? It's, it's, right. So there's a rumor going around. There's a proper rumor that Henry Cavill has been cast as Cyclops in the you know when it when the X Men come to the MCU, and I just remember thinking he is way too cool to play Cyclops. Cyclops is a ball bag. The problem with Cyclops is the same reason why no one likes 
Leonardo. No one likes the leader. Everyone likes the cool ragamuffin. Wolverine, Raphael. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, no, I mean, I, is it literally because like Wolverine has the hots for his girlfriend yeah. and people are like, because it, like you should never really root for the person who's trying to break up a relationship. Exactly. What, what I love about it is, is Cyclops, to my knowledge, has never actually done anything wrong. It's not like, it's not like you see Cyclops injecting heroin. <laughs> it's like, he's a good guy. He wakes up at six. I imagine he goes for a run. Yeah. He goes for a jog. Eats his greens, man. Eats his green, cleans his eye. <laughs> Just, you know, I imagine he's quite good. Like, Professor X says, have you done your own work? And he goes, yes, I have. But I've also helped Beast mm. because he, he's had the shit and he's matted up. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've brushed him. I've helped him out. He seems like a good guy. And we as viewers fucking hate that. <laughs> Peace for Cyclops. Peace Justice for Cyclops. <laughs> also, though, like, maybe, like, I mean, he has two eyes, right? <laughs> he, he does, yeah. But what Professor X created a visor to help him control his beams and was like, fuck am I giving you glasses? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, I love, what I love about his, 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 his vision is the fact that Professor X had to create a visor or Ray-Bans. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, instead of that- The sunglasses like, were sunglasses. already invented. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just I love the fact that sunglasses contain him and that I really like to think that when Cyclops is running down the street he's wearing sunglasses the beams are just like shooting out like circles yeah. you know like you put your thumb on a tap and it just squirts out it's just mass destruction everywhere he goes I fucking hate Cyclops well is Cyclops's beam as uh, is it as powerful so powerful that it can knock Force Hammer from his hand no it's true he can oh. and he did uh, Cyclops beam only fires in a straight line True. What surely is whatever he's looking at, right? Uh, false exposure to the force from the Phoenix results in curved beams in later comics. Oh. Uh, Beast now. Beach, uh, Beast teaches art at Xavier's Institute. True or false? I'm going to go true because he might be going for a beast and beauty type thing. It's actually science and math. I thought I, you know, I thought it might be purely because I'm basing this on the fact he's doing equations at the... At the uh, Whenever you see him. Beast has been a member of the Avengers and the Defenders. True. That is true, yeah. Storm is the daughter of a tribal princess from Kenya. True. True, yeah. Uh, born, uh, so I, I don't know how you pronounce this. Um, Aroro? Aroro? Aurora? Monroe. Ro- Do you know what? I really like Storm. Oro, Oro. The, the problem with Storm is, is Storm's almost favourite character, but she's everyone's favourite secondary character. I fucking mm. love Storm. I thought she went. And when she... Played excellently by Halle, Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Yes, see, I said her name correctly. Yeah. Um, when she got actual role, because in the first one, it was her job to just use useless lines. Anyway, we got to it. She was raised in Harlem and Cairo, but yeah, daughter of a tribal princess from Kenya. Storm has been a member of the Fantastic Four. True or false? False. True. Oh, uh, Storm is the first major female character of African descent in comic book history. True. That is true. Because it was in 1963, so yeah, it would be true, yeah. Um, Storm lost a fight to Wonder Woman in the one-off 1996 DC vs. Marvel miniseries. True. It's false, Storm won. Up your Wonder Woman. Mm. Good for you, Storm. Well done, Storm. Well done. No, did you know what? You've been the underdog in that fight as well. One of them's a god. <laughs> the other one can control the rain. <laughs> uh, true or false, Storm was married to the Black Panther. That, do you know what? That sounds so false, it's got to be true. It's true, yeah. Yeah. Professor X is American. True or false? False. It's true. Yeah, I he thought he was British. No, he was born in New York, studied at Oxford. In the comic book. Pretentious prick. The Juggernaut is Professor X's stepbrother. True or false? True. 
it's fucking true. true. Yes, and I know that. I literally know that because the animated cartoon, because he's like, it's my son. And I remember thinking, it was fucking not. <laughs> it's the, uh, yeah, the, the mother remarried after the death of the father, obviously. Um, Xavier's legs were, were, are badly damaged from being crushed by a stone dropped by an alien called Lucifer, who he met in the Himalayas, true or false? But, but, but you've used so many words that has to be true because if that's false, you have got the greatest mind of your generation. That's actually true. <laughs> which makes me think that the film's got really lazy. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it wasn't a bullet? I mean, that scene would have been so much better if he somehow was in the Himalayas. Lucifer top five from Rocket. <laughs> so this is, this is one of the many things that I don't get about the X-Men movies though. Is that So we see how he ends up in the wheelchair in the X-Men. First class. But Patrick Stewart... Yeah. He never says he got shot, did he? No. But then again, there's a lot of... Diff- the problem is when you start comparing him, which I have because I've watched quite a lot of them this week, is like he also says that he, meet, uh, he met Eric when he was 17. And then when I was watching X-Men Origins, because I'd watched some class... Uh, X-Men First Class, I was watching that, like, he's not fucking 17. Bullshit. He's just graduated with a PhD. Who gets a PhD at 17? Fucking horseshit. Mm. Talking of Origins, though, Magneto has the best origin. Oh, yes, he just, does. Just going back to that, actually, first X-Men movie. So let's, let's go there now. Let's go to the X-Men Ooh. movie. Our introduction to the villain first as a child uh, going through the kind of concentration camps, the work camps in World War II. Um, what a fucking introduction to give you everything you need to know as to why this person doesn't like mankind. Yeah, and also you start in such a grim place in human history, not mutant history. It's like, it's, could it be any worse that he's, he's, you know, later we know that he's persecuted for being a mutant, but at the same time he was born in a world where he's persecuted for being a Jew. Mm. And they're just saying... Auschwitz is fucking daring on your bone. Mm. Starting your comic book hero, uh, starting your comic book film and starting with like a Nazi cam. I was like, fucking hell, that's mm. dangerous. What powerful scene as well. And what's really brilliantly expert is, is that carries on into another train of films that the X-Men first class it takes up from there. And I, I know we're talking about them on another day. But however, that was such a powerful opening. Just like you feel for Magneto. Yeah. You're in there with him. And then that comes up later on in the film when he looks at his arm and he sees a tattoo. Mm. And it's just fucking brutal. It's Kicking the nuts, but it was daring at the time. And, and let's be honest, what a sensational opening to a film. It is really good, yeah. And I remember even, I mean, so I would have been 13 when the movie came out and that scene of the kid being dragged away and he's pulling the gates. And then the gates start pulling towards him. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, even then as a kid, I was like, God, them effects are wicked. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying, it, you know, it was groundbreaking or anything like that, but certainly I hadn't seen that kind of effect in a movie. And I was like, this could be good. This yeah. could be good. So let's go X-Men 1. Right, you ready for... Mm. Mutants are real, and they are here living among us. For years, the mutants have lived in society, and Homo sapiens has lived in fear too long. US Senator Robert Kelly is trying to pass a Mutant Registration Act which will force mutants to reveal their names and abilities. Charles Xavier heads a school specifically designed to teach mutants uh, away from the harsh prejudices of Homo sapiens. Xavier believes that one day mutants and the human race will live together in peace. Flip that coin. Eric Lencher, or Magneto, has experienced the very worst of humanity being ripped away from his parents and experimented on Auschwitz. He now leads a group called the Brotherhood, which believes in mutant supremacy and that through aggressive means, mutants will take their place as the dominant species on this planet. So you've got less going on, mate. You've got like the US Senate, you know, talking about the future of humans. Where are we going to go with this? Well, meanwhile, 17-year-old Marie has run away from home after accidentally sucking off the life force of her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We've all been there. Uh, 
Luckily, she crosses the paths with Logan, or Wolverine, a cage-fighting badass whose special mutant power is to be the focal point of every fucking movie going forward. (laughs) Meanwhile, Senator Kelly is kidnapped by Magneto and turned into a mutant so he can experience the same prejudice that other mutants have experienced. Magneto plans to use this method to mutate all of the world's leaders at an upcoming event. It is up to the X-Men, and mostly Wolverine, to save the day and stop Magneto once and for all. Directed by Brian Singer. Directed by Brian Singer. And you know what? I, I've always had a problem with Dar- uh, I've, I've always liked Brian Singer, his work. I've always liked his work. Very careful there. Just yeah. his work. Just his work. He's never really been good for action. So one of my favourite films, The Usual Suspects, yeah. it's not an action-oriented film, but it's very good at suspense. And I remember watching this film, and I do remember when I saw it at the cinema, I do remember thinking the action was going to be better. There's a lot of standing quite far apart from each other and doing a special move. Mm. A bit like a Pokemon battle on GameCube. A bit, a bit uh, Power Rangery. A bit Power Rangery. Um, do you know what I do think it dusted off a bit here? I, I really, mate, the storyline of this film is brilliant. And do you know what? It's big. It's mm. epic. It's not, and I'm not having a go at Spider-Man, I like Spider-Man. It's not two villains in Spider-Man. It's like the fate of a, of a race of people. Mm. And it's two people that care so much. And you're instantly in the history. The world is set up quite early on, quite quickly. You see uh, Jean Grey, love Jean Grey. Fermi Jenkins is fantastic in this, quite possibly her, her greatest role that she's ever done. Getting belittled by the worst of humanity, just like this, Cock Senator who's just like, um, he goes through a list of speeches. There's people who can walk through uh, walls. Do you want them walking into your banks, you know, stealing your money and walking away? And you just fear mongering. Mm. Just think Donald Trump a few years ago. <laughs> just, um, I just think the world was set up brilliantly. The writing's fantastic. And it's, it's immediately global. It's like, it's not a fight between two stupid people in the train station. It's, it's bigger than you know. And I do think that that are, continues on. I, I've, I was immediately invested in it and I love, I love everything. One thing we're going to talk about throughout these three films is I think quite possibly the cast list, the cast, whoever did the casting for the three films, phenomenal job. See, we'll go into the casting in a second then, but the, certainly we talked about like Magneto's introduction yeah. as a character, setting you up your villain early on in the movie. Wolverine's introduction is fucking brilliant. The, you know, the cage fight in kind of nomads just traveling yeah. town to town. Sniffs a mate. I know, yeah. There's, yeah, that kind of comes and goes, doesn't it? Yeah. Like that, he turns, it, turns that power off. Only when he needs yeah. it. <laughs> only when it's important to the plot. <laughs> um, you know, Charles, you know, you get that, the, the Senate scene, because I mean, there's nothing more sexy when you're, you know, you know, full of um, you know, energy for a movie and it's like, ah, straight to the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it it does, if it was good enough for Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, what it does is, I mean, straight away it establishes the real villain is mankind, yep. the humans. <laughs> Specifically so, this brick. <laughs> but what I love, what one one um, thing I love in movies, TV, whatever it is, is when early on in a franchise, you get the good guy and the bad guy in a scene and they almost do a little dance where they say, you go your way, I'll go my way, we'll meet at the end. And I love that in this. There's the corridor scene with this, where Charles kind of moves away and he, he catches Eric, he catches Magneto before he leaves. And they have a an exchange which sets up both of their positions in this world and very, what we're going to see. Very rude though, because Magneto doesn't turn around. It's a bit rude. And <laughs> just talks to him. And also, what I don't understand about that is, is, is Charles obviously tries to read his mind mm. and says, you're trying to get in here and, and Magneto taps the old temple. He's like, I've got you. Uh, because Magneto's a, a special hat. Yeah. <laughs> that he can't get into his head. So it means no one can read his mind. He's all wearing a hat. <laughs> so, so, so why? <laughs> why can't Xavier just go, 
you're a six-year-old girl, go to school. <laughs> <laughs> just be really easy to shut him down there and then. Yeah, yeah. And because, I mean, Professor X can reach anyone anywhere in the world at yeah, one point with, through Cerebro. With, with the get-out-of-jail-free yeah. machine. It's not, it's, it's not like Magneto's, like, sleeping in that helmet. <laughs> <laughs> just to see him on the, it's like in the bathroom. It's like, ooh, still stuck on my helmet. <laughs> but I do love that. I love that uh, that plot device. Or, no, not plot device. That, that scene, that exchange early in a movie. Some yeah. films put it in different places. Most commonly, it's in the start of the last third or the end of the movie with the good guy, the bad guy, meet and square off. Heat did it brilliantly, slap bang in the middle, De Niro and Pacino in the, in the cafe scene. But there's something like, I always liked, that, so in the TV series Lost, on episode one, Terry uh, Quinn's character in that, he, he played um, Locke, Locke in yeah. that. Uh, he's playing backgammon and he's explaining the rules of backgammon to a kid, but he's not. He's explaining to the island. Yeah. And it's fucking so good. I love that. That, that you know, and anytime it happens, I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. It's just a little, it gets a tick in my box. Yeah, everyone loves a tick. Casting, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, what a, the problem is, they took a risk. They took a risk. Hugh Jackman was on no one tops the list. However, I can't think of another actor that could ever play that role, which is testament to what a great job you've done. Is it bigger than Danny Jr. as Iron Man? They they are probably the two I that I see. think... I can't see anyone else playing Iron Man at the moment. I can't see anyone else playing Wolverine. Captain America, I could yeah. I could see an alternate reality where John Krasinski did get the part in, yeah, in Captain so. America. So the problem is, is Wolverine was still cool. So if you talk about the comics, the reason Iron Man became such a predominant figure was because... Iron Man was still the rights that Marvel had. So when they wanted to start, they kind of had to make... So Robert Downey is probably more iconic because he kind of saved the character and made it bigger. Made it was, badass. Whereas Wolverine was always badass. You know, he was always still... Mm. I mean, every, Wolverine's still everyone's favourite. I mean, he's not mine, but he's still everyone else's He's not exactly typecast well because... He's, do you remember Do you remember when it came out and people were going... Bob Hoskins. <laughs> people were like, he's too tall. I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a weird statement. Casting director, you're just, you're just too tall. Oh, what is Danny DeVille? <laughs> no, no, but yeah, because this was the thing, wasn't it? They said six foot and he's described as like five foot four or something. So on paper, on, on paper, the, the, the fan favourite was Bob Hoskins to play Wolverine Mate, as the right height, the right amount of body hair. You know, I'm genuinely devastated. We don't live in a world where Bob Hoskins was yeah. Wolverine. Obviously, it's been linked now. The rumor mill has gone from you know uh, Zac Efron to Daniel Radcliffe to Charlie Hunnam. Uh, uh, even really, uh, Tom Hardy but Tom Hardy gets his name thrown around with it. every character I know I think they should do what they did with Hugh Jackman take a risk on a on a unknown but good actor do give it some let's be honest it's mm. Wolverine so unless he unless Wolverine literally comes in and f you know someone throws a pie in his face and he accidentally pisses himself he's still going to be pretty cool so he's still going to get the fans in try it be a star maker weirdly the X-Men films I find all of these were kind of you were either established A-lister or you were on your way there mm. Did you see uh, the last series of Stranger Things, season three? Yes. You, I can't that remember the kid. actor's name. The like, Australian guy with the mullet. Uh, the guy who plays like, he's evil. Yeah, he's the, well, he's he, evil. he gets he's possessed. Bad. He's, he's yeah. a bully, he's a lifeguard, and then he gets Why possessed. Not? Why not? He would be a great Wolverine. He's a, he's a, he was in the Power Rangers movie. It's the oh, only wait. other thing I saw him in. I can't wait. Everyone's got a death Everyone's note. Everyone's got a death note. <laughs> uh, we need to get on shirts. <laughs> I don't know if he's still the most reoccurring. Now Marvel's so big and the DC, the MCU's so big. Oh, he's got to be. Um, but at the time, for ages, he was in, in terms of cinema, Hugh Jackman was the most, had the record for the most returning times as a cast member. Do you know what? I think they kind of wasted it towards the end when they showed up in other films for like bit parts. I know there were mm. cameos, they were cool, but at the same time, it, it to me, it watered it down. Because mm. I'll be honest, Wolverine actually really started to piss me off towards the end. 
Yeah, there was some where he didn't need to be there. Yeah, um, just... Studio wanted Russell Crowe, who turned it down and recommended Hugh Jackman. I, you know what, I think Russell Crowe went too big. He yeah, would have overshadowed well, everyone. We're off the back of Gladiator, aren't we, 2000? No, I, 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 I can't say it. I would have hated that. Reader, I would have thought, yeah. yeah. Um, Hugh Jackman auditioned knowing nothing about X-Men or Wolverines. Didn't even know there was actually an animal called a Wolverine. <laughs> okay. He's Australian, so you should have thought he would know every feral animal out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he fought wolves. So apparently went into his audition acting like a wolf and they were like, what are you doing? Like, kind of like, like was hunched. He came with like, with like two other people in his pack. <laughs> <laughs> Pissing everywhere. <laughs> Pissed on him to Mark's territory. Took a nap in yeah. the corner. <laughs> he um, read three pages and then auditioned acting like a wolf and they were like, halfway through, they were like, what are you doing? Um, how bad must have everyone else this all just this is what just made it like this is what just made it sometimes like because I, I work hard right yeah I do I, I go to work prepared I put in the hours and then you hear some shit like this where, like, like someone's career exploded because they read three pages and they heard oh Brian Singer's directing who's a fan of, and he was a fan of The Usual Suspects and it already had Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart assigned yeah. and went in half arsed underprepared and Russell Crowe was like no seriously give him a chance he's just done Oklahoma on the like the West End he's got something oh, you should go for him and he gets it and then years later you see Hugh Jackman doing like adverts for like his coffee company and all that like going hard work and everything pays off the like, fuck off Hugh Jackman you good looking git <laughs> like, I, was, I was the wolf mate yeah <laughs> piss should, on this we should have we should have a science that says piss on this wolf yeah still a nice guy like does yeah, love yeah. charity and everything you know yeah, but, yeah. but do you know what I mean like it, it, it kind of pisses me off a little bit when I don't know <laughs> you've got that you've got that rage mate you've got that Wolverine rage going on <laughs> I think you'd be a good Wolverine uh, infamous story about Hugh Jackman uh, saying that he didn't want to take the role no he did want to take the role but his wife said to uh, not do it and then he took it like I say made him a, an overnight success kind of paved the way for the rest of his career and he still credits it's the only time his wife has ever been wrong which is super sweet from Hugh Jackman um, and there's the infamous storyline as well that he thought he could buff up and get into shape in three weeks and then uh, when he arrived on the first day on set Brian Singer described him as doughy <laughs> and then changed all the shirtless scenes to the end of the filming so six months later oh, mate again fucking ripped though I mean he's certainly ripped by the wait, fucking later movies right so you're Brian Singer and just, just the director none of the other stuff right so, so you, so you sit down. Russell Crowe's on the other end of the phone. He goes, "Mate, you, you've got a cast. Hugh Jackman, he's brilliant." He shows up, he pisses in the corner, and he had a sleep. perm as well. <laughs> he had a perm. He was just doing Oklahoma. So he had a perm. He's just on Oklahoma. It's like, have you got any experience doing like people doing? No, no, no. He's yeah, like, just like, fucking howling at you. <laughs> and you're like, right. Well, Russell Crowe is quite clearly, you know, a, a, a steady man. So, right, Russell, I'm going to give him a shot. He's got to get into shape. He shows up like a bit doughy. Why are you not phoning up Russell Crowe? Oh, you fucking had me. And then you hear on the end of life, I've <laughs> done you, mate. <laughs> I'm going to do some word association now, James. I'm going to say a um, cast member. You're just going to tell me, you're just going to sum up. Okay. Patrick Stewart. Um, perfectly cast. It is really, isn't it? Uh, I, do you know what? When you hear Charles Xavier, it's, it's Patrick Stewart. Well, which is weird because... I remember hearing it and I was remember being surprised. But at the same time, it's, who was going to play Charles Xavier? Of course it was going to be Patrick mm. Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart. He, he must have been. Do you think it's his career-defining role? The one that people... I mean, no people were known from the stage and, you know, the decades of film, but surely it's his most accessible role that people it's, know. Sure, he's got to be Star Trek. Oh, of course. It's got, got yeah, I wasn't Trek. a Trekkie. Yeah. I, I didn't grow up with Star Trek. But so. no, I, I think... I think if you, What I really love about Patrick Stewart is that, you know, when you leave, like, the nerdville, straight to the nerdville, <laughs> just, yeah. just cross over. Patrick Stewart, um, 
or, 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 or American Dad or an emoji poo. It could be any of them, really, to be fair. Wasn't he a villain in a Mel Gibson movie was? Which is quite impressive, Brandon Mel Gibson, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Conspiracy Theory yeah, with like Julia Roberts. Gets his nose bitten off. It's first time. It's the only time I know Patrick Stewart's played a villain. Uh, he was also a villain in Gunman with Christopher Ooh. Lambert Ooh, and well Mario Van Pebbles was in that movie. Mate. Well. And they also starred together in Highlander 3. <coughs> Everyone's got a death. <laughs> Um, Some people have got nothing but that. <laughs> Ian McKellen as Magneto. Stars aligned to give you a fantastic performance from an actor that came out of nowhere. Because I remember, I remember just, it was, he, 2000s were his. Mm. I don't really remember him nice, but I, I just think, what for, I imagine they just saw those names and knew like magic was going to happen. I, don't, I imagine neither of them had to audition. James Marsden. Underrated, quite like James Marsden as Cyclops. Because I don't like Cyclops. I don't like James Marsden as Cyclops. Good acting. James- <laughs> it's well played. James Marsden, I, I, I imagine, has, 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 has the misfortune of being beautiful. Yes. Like, I imagine that's been a real curse in his life. <laughs> what, I love, <laughs> what I love about James Marsden is, and this is going to sound really stupid, but do you remember the comic book, uh, the animated TV series? I imagine they looked at him and saw his hair and just thought, fuck that'll you, do. that'll do <laughs> I, I, like, I like his like, I fucking love his movies. He's on the third one. And obviously, spoilers, you know, Gene Grey's gone. His love of his life's gone. He's just got a bit of stubble. Yeah. Like, he's really let himself go. Keep <laughs> <laughs> looking at him. Do, do you know what my favourite thing about, um, this, what do you remember the uproar about Last Stand? It was like, oh my God, they killed off Cyclops and they didn't really care. It was like, they fucking killed off. The, right, everyone's talking about how they misused him in the third film. In the second film, he gets kidnapped 20 minutes in and he don't appear till the fucking end of the film. It's like, he was well done by the third film. He's barely in the first one. He shows up to blow up a train station. Yes. That's literally it. He's shit. The, the, the third great great he, casting great casting beautiful man <laughs> beautiful, beautiful man. man is it the I, I think surely that must be a conflict of shooting or something in that film movie because why would you sign up to that third film oh he, he was contractually obligated because he joined Brian Singer to do Superman Returns oh, so yeah. he, he had to do it but I, I just remember that third one everyone all and I was like he, he babes he's barely he's, never seen, he's not even an on screen death so no, I think that's the, the worst thing um, Halle Berry um, underutilised in this film great casting if you want, um, you predominant, uh, you said she was the first black character of Marvel. Was that mm-hmm. correct? I think Halle Berry's a great choice to do that. But her role is so diminished in that first one. And she has the shittiest line. What happens to a toe that gets hit by lightning? Same as everything else. I don't understand why she doesn't stop there. Yeah. Like, what happens to a car? Every line should be hurt. Like, what happens to a toaster when it gets hit by lightning? Same as everything else. It's the problem with an ensemble cast, especially when Someone's none of the narratives, first, yeah. yeah, none of the narratives actually solely focus on her character, Storm. That what they then do is they're like, God, oh Halle Berry, she's a great, she's an Oscar-winning yeah. an actress. Like we've fucking A-list. We, 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 need, well. we need to put some emotion in this movie. <laughs> Halle Berry, here's two sentences. Can you cry while doing it? You know, it, like unfortunately, there are scenes where. It's her job in a very short window to express emotion and you just it doesn't have the payoff because you, you're not invested in the character enough. So while I'm out Storm as well as the characters, I always imagine that she, she's always his second... My understanding is I'm correcting this. In the comic books when Xavier dies, she becomes headmaster. She always is second in command, but the reason she doesn't do it like more often is because she's too cool. She's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm going out, hashtag, I'm going to get pissed. <laughs> do like, she, she has the old... Uh, way before Black Widow was changing her hairstyle every movie. Yeah, Storm was way ahead. Mate, that, way ahead. Yeah. Uh, Framke Jensen. Jensen. Um, perfectly cast. Beautiful. I love her. I'm so angry when she's not in films anymore. Yeah, you don't see her a lot now, do you? You don't see her at all. And again, she was in a hot streak at this time. 
And I would like to point out that I think she does the best um, flip it on its head acting because I think as the demure, like quite timid Jean Grey, she was phenomenal. And I, I, you fell for her. You were on her side. It's very hard because also her role's quite small as well in the film. She's there to kind of be a love of interest to the main character, Logan. Because I don't know if you're, you're not watching the X-Men movie, you're watching a Wolverine movie. Mm. Um, I think what she does in her, in her uh, short amount of time, she uses the best because she gets you in, you care about Jean Grey, and then she fucks off for most of the movie and then she appears again at the end. And at every point you care for her. She's the leader, she's the real uh, in charge, and she does a great job of foreshadowing. Mm. And I really like this, and this is something we haven't talked about, is X-Men 1 does such great foreshadowing for X-Men 2, and X-Men 2 does such great foreshadowing for the third one. Unfortunately, the third one shit. <laughs> but I thought she did a fantastic job with the limited time that she had. She do yeah, she gets she gets a she does get a good slice of the pie, yeah. doesn't she, in terms of screen time. She owns it, mate. I and also uh, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. I also love on IMDb when you got all the actors like with their um profile pictures, you know, it, Ray Parks is actually him as Darth Maul. <laughs> no one knows what he actually looks like. No, because it's just Darth Maul. Um as Toad, obviously, Ray Park. What what a waste. He's just a waste, isn't it? His his main thing that he does, the, you know, the super duper martial artist that they've got, gets his tongue out. Yeah, <laughs> what a dick. Eats a pigeon, <laughs> dirty <laughs> bastards. <laughs> I right that first movie. Wait, can I can I just say as well, mm. just quickly, Anna Paquin as Rogue. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Anna Paquin as Rogue. I love Rogue. Rogue is actually like my top three characters. In the animated series, she could fly and shit. Rogue, she is, did loads. Rogue is shit in this film, and I do not blame Anne for that. I think it's because they were really worried about overpowered characters. The so the. That first movie almost wants to go down a narrative of like, look, imagine if you were this girl at this time of your life and you can't have physical intimacy yeah. and contact with people like, you know. But again, there's so many things happening in yeah. this first movie. Unfortunately, that storyline gets fucking sidelined really quick. <laughs> what I love about it as well, yeah, no, I completely agree. What I love about it as well is, is she so forgettable? The plot forgets about her at one point. Oh, did you want? No, sorry. The, the plot's quite evil because the plot yeah, yeah. sets her up as like, yeah. Okay, so we're following this person. Yeah. She needs help, and then then it's like, oh, it's Wolverine. Now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like essentially a hand comes in, just slaps her off screen. It's like it's Wolverine. Yeah, like Professor X is like, oh, what do they want with the girl? And then Fuck they're like, it, it doesn't want the girl. It, they want Wolverine. Who it's cares? Like, Move on. Yeah, and then she literally is just Wolverine. Fucking... What are you doing? <laughs> what I love there is a fantastic scene there, Wes, and um, quite possibly one of my favorite performances. Rebecca Romagin Stammer says, "Mistake, I fucking adore Mistake," and she looks amazing. Like. Like, I'm not talking about uh, Rebecca because obviously amazing, but I really love the look of Mistake. When Mistake's on the pay, on the screen, I was, I was in fucking love, mate. It's just everything. She acts with her body, the ultimate, like, I really like the transformation scenes as well. Uh, Mistake, standout MVP of this film. Um, I think all of them. In terms of henchmen. Oh, what about Sabretooth and the fact that he forgets? <laughs> dude, well, we had a story. I like when he just stares at Wolverine. It's like, didn't we have like a whole film backstory? No, I'm just going to stare at you. Yeah, Tyler Maine, isn't he? Who yeah. plays Wolverine, uh, Sabretooth in that first one. Yeah, there, there is. Sabretooth doesn't come across as like a clever henchman. He comes across as a twat. He comes across <laughs> as dumb very quickly, <laughs> very frequently yeah. in that first movie. My. The, the, my not, no fault of his own like don't get me wrong oh, like, he's got no lines like Cyclops like shoots him you know and he pretty much blows up next to a tree and then it's not his fault that bloody um, to, uh, that the Senator, Senator Kelly's going to turn into a, a jellyfish <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not his fault his mutations know. go probably not the best yeah <laughs> just, that's like, not random isn't it can you imagine him like stand up in front of the UN and just like wait I've changed my mind jellyfish <laughs> so, so that, that right so going into that first movie we're all over the place with this but I mean I imagine I know people have seen it but so 
Professor Oak, uh, Magneto's like, I know, I'm going to take the person who's trying to pass the bill that means that mutants have to self-identify yep. and we have to know who they are and keep a log of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we and and he's like, so Magneto's created a machine that can turn people into mutants, yep. which kind of undoes this idea that people are born mutants. Yep. Actually, I can create a mutant. Yep. But you don't know what power you're going to get. Yeah. Because he didn't go like, fuck it. Like, can you imagine Magneto in his head? It was like, jellyfish, jellyfish, <laughs> jellyfish. And then like, Santa Scali... That's his power? Yeah. They can just turn to what, jelly? What did he think was going to happen though? Yeah, like, 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 like the worst what thing. What if he turns into like a nuclear bomb? Just literally what I was going to say. I was going to say, he keeps him in a cage. What if he like turns him into like a feral like Wolverine or something? It's yeah. just like, it's like, oh shit. Or probably, like a better Magneto. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, like his power is that he could just kill you from looking at you. <laughs> shit. Crowning achievement though. Crowning achievement of this film. The highest point is when um, Wolverine's having nightmares because, you know, he doesn't know about his past and and Rogue comes in and uh, Wolverine just gets up and fucking stabs her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mate, it's brutal. And you're like, everyone rushes in and then and then she touches him in the face and because she absorbs his healing powers mm. and, you know, she saves her life. Wolverine kind of like dies for a little bit but then, you know, he's, he comes back to life and then... And then all the kids turn on fucking rogue, right? And they go, "You shouldn't have used your, you shouldn't have used your powers on another mutant." And I remember there sitting in the audience going, "Well, she did get fucking stabbed. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> she got shanked. So, so she should have just died." <laughs> You've got all these school kids going, "She, she didn't die. What a bitch!" <laughs> just remember thinking that was a crowning moment when I was rewatching that, going, "It's not really well a bit." And, and I mean, I know that scene that Bobby Drake's character in that scene is, is, mystique. is mystique, but, but still. even still, as rogue, you'd be like. What get to fuck, mate? I'm not going to take six to the chest. <laughs> what the fuck do you think I am? You fucking prick. <laughs> what is this Hogwarts? Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, I, I. So much fun revisiting this first movie. The thing is, I haven't seen this movie for ten years, but I knew every scene as it was yeah. happening. Certain scenes are still fucking epic. The train scene is still great. Yeah, I love as well. Like Wolverine is cool. Wolverine is awesome. Hugh Jackman's very good at Wolverine. But when your villain can move metal with his yeah. mind and you are <sighs> pretty just, much made of metal. Just stop fucking running at him. What's <laughs> yeah. that what about? What are you going to do? What is that about? Or, or oh, do you know what's really badass and this holds up is when, and I'll be honest, Sabretooth doesn't really do much other than throw people. Mm. So when he throws him and he kind of uses the claws on the, is it the crown of Lady Liberty and he goes around <laughs> her and he ends up cutting off. That was still cool. I, I did thoroughly enjoy that. I just, I just imagine if you... If you found Magneto in like, I don't know, somewhere like in a field with no metal around yeah, and you were naked firing a BB gun at him, like uh, you'd piss him right off, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you couldn't, how weird is that that you couldn't fire an actual gun at him because he could stop the bullet? But if you had a BB gun, it's just Ian McKellen. <laughs> you just taking BB guns to the face. <laughs> Everything's about perspective, James. Everything's about perspective. Like, like I was thinking this the other day, like 10 pounds, not a lot, but 10 bodies is quite a lot. <laughs> Everything is about perspective. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking, fucking magnet. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it, you dick. Why? Oh, Stop it, dick. Oh. Yeah. Magneto, absolutely epic, you know, in a, in a war. Shit at a water balloon fight. <laughs> <laughs> who's the real winner <laughs> exactly exactly oh the fun memories of the first one action let down storyline brilliant though I really liked it really liked the characters really liked the acting casting do you know what I think the special effects were okay still hold up you, you, I think a lot of the movies you have to judge the quality of Wolverine's claws so the way that they come out but like, weirdly I like to point out I think they're, they're better early they're, on they're better early on yeah. Yeah. I mean there's one of them Wolverine movies which the claws are bad yeah like really fucking bad oh mate are you ready 
want to do a second one? Just just going through oh. the first one. The key scenes, I think, are the, the, the badass, mate. That moment when Magneto turns all the guns on the cops. Oh, that is really and cool. And he fires the bullet and, and he like just... spinning yeah, like that. Like yes. All those scenes are, are fucking brilliant. I really like that film. They're, what does lay it down for me is, and it's no fault of the movies, but it's just exhausted... Going, you're saying that I love the setup of the two main guys kind of squaring off at the beginning of a movie. One of the things I hate is when a film ends at a location. You know, like Statue of Liberty. Why? Yeah. What an inconvenience it is. Your master plan being at the Statue of Liberty. There are so many other places you could have done it. But you that's know. where the World Summit... Uh, do you know what I really like is that as well? Is is it's really obvious what's going to happen because literally every other, when there's a TV on the background, they're only talking about the world summit with every world leader going to be there. But this is what, this is what I liked about, and I know we've had this argument and I'm not going to say it was a good movie, but the movie Glass, at least all the way through that film, it led you to believe they were going to go for this fight at this building because it gives you the, you know, all the, all the TV screens are talking about this building and the villain, you know, Samuel Jackson's like, it needs to get you in front of the world and they never even leave the car park. <laughs> and I actually fucking like that about that kind of way that it showed you what you thought you were going to see because X-Men certainly does that. It's like, oh, what would be terrible if something happened where all the world leaders are? God. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you but what, luckily, they they left Toad in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, I actually just realised I don't like the big flashy blob thing that turns them on me. It's because 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 no one would just accept it. They'd be like, "Well, I'm going to run away from that." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, quite clearly. Yeah. Oh no! Do you know what? There, there were some great moments in it. And before we talk about the second one, we should talk about some of my favourite elements of the second one, which will lead from the first one. Final scene: Magneto in a in a glass plastic prison mm. playing chess with Charles Xavier and he says to him an immortal line he says what will you do when one of these days these armed thugs come for your students and he says I will pity them and he like fucking rolls out badassly you can't deny they knew that this was going to be a trilogy from day one they absolutely fucking nailed this because and I remember when the first trailer came out for X2 United We Stand or something like that I can't specifically remember what it's called oh sorry um, is um uh, it opens with that line and then in the next part of the trailer you see armed people storming it and then you see like the kid looking and I remember thinking that trailer was one of the best trailers I've ever seen and mm. I was fucking hyped for X-Men 2. And the thing with sequels, bigger budget, you've done the hard work of setting up your initial characters you so you get to fun. have fun with bringing out some new characters to play with and of which X-Men have a whole fucking plethora. Can I just say as well that until The Dark Knight Rises this was my favourite comic book film and... Do you know what? Rewatching it this week, I realised how much I love this film. Right, are you ready? Because, no, I will get into it. The White House is under attack as Nightcrawler uses his, quite frankly, fucking awesome teleporting powers to fuck up the Secret Service and attempt to kill the president. Mate. As far as opening foot scenes go. Fucking awesome. And considering it's Alan Cummings as mate, well. that's a point I've got later <laughs> as well. Right, luckily he stopped just in the nick of time and runs away like a bitch. Um... General, what I don't understand about it is just stopping here. Just stopping here. He's attacked it. He's literally about to stab the president with a knife that says Mutants Unite. Mm -hmm. He's going to stab him. And then what happens is a, a Secret Service agent shoots him, but he shoots him with a tranquilizer. Why, why haven't they got fucking bullets? What's that about? Oh, I thought he shot him and it just clipped <laughs> his shoulder. I do what I'll accept that. Um, luckily, he stopped just in the nick of time and runs away. General William Stryker, the man responsible for the imprisonment of Magneto and on a one-person crusade to rid the world of mutants, uses the new mutant fear-mongering to get the president to authorise a mission to kidnap the students of Xavier's School of Gifted Children. Ooh. Ooh. But fuck that. What's Wolverine up to? 
Well, he's used the knowledge that Xavier gave him in the last film to stand in some snow and stare at a wolf. That is odd, isn't it? That is odd. Just, but now that gives me new context, because I reckon Brian Singer put that in there. You gentlemen didn't know it was going to be there. Just saw a wolf. He was like, and he was like, just heard Brian Singer was going, yeah, that's what you fucking acted like. You absolute freak. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of Wolverine, like, in, across all three movies. Like, you know, the, the scene when he's like fighting, it's like, yeah, we get it. You're a hardened like man. You know, the moment when he's hiking through like snowy fields and he, he you know, he's wearing jeans and a, and a lumberjack shirt. Yeah. Even at Professor X's funeral in the third movie, jeans, lumberjack shirt. It's like, we get it, Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. We get it, Wolverine. You don't play by the rules. You don't conform. What I love about that as well is presuming Alkine Lake is quite far away. So he goes there, looks around and goes, fuck this, I'm going back. He doesn't even look because because apparently, as we find out later, it's quite easy to get into. <laughs> if only he had like a good sense of smell yeah. or something. <laughs> that would help him. <laughs> just, just got this idea of like a guard going around just like, like spraying Chanel everywhere. It's like, this will confuse him. We wonder what's going on. Um... He returns to the mansion just in time to babysit the kids as everyone's going somewhere else. So Xavier and Cyclops go to see Magneto and Storm and Jean go to track down Nightcrawler because uh, Pressive Xavier uses Cerebral. So we didn't mention that in the first one, but Cerebral is this uh, powerful machine that lets him, uh, like magnitude, uh, mag- uh, multiply his power so he can communicate like with every mutant on the planet Earth. So basically what happens is Striker kidnaps the Professor and Cyclops. So Cyclops has been in this film for about four minutes. Mm. Now he's out of it till the end. Turns out that he's also got this um, control. He can control mutants because he's got a a Deathstroke. Deathstrike is a character played by Kelly Hugh who's uh, following him around. She's basically the... uh, She's adamantium nails, which isn't that badass. However, Kelly Hugh... It looks like it would be a bit inconvenient, but she pulls it off. It's the way she cracks her knuckles. Kelly Hugh does a very good job of acting, despite the fact she doesn't actually do any acting. Mm. There's one point where she's coming off the serum, and I was like, that's really good. It's like she's coming off the serum. Yeah, she's like, how Robert Patrick do you want me? And they're like, very Robert Patrick. Um, Storm and Jean... uh, Oh, sorry. Striker kidnaps Professor and attacks the school where we discover that he may be the key to unlocking Wolverine's sordid past. <gasps> now It's all rem- about Wolverine. It is all about... Don't you worry. Did you think we were going to talk about anyone else? No. Now the remaining X-Men <laughs> must join forces with their greatest foe, Magneto, and bring down Striker before he manipulates the Professor into killing all the mutants. But that might not be the biggest threat. <gasps> As mild-mannered Jean Grey starts to lose control of her powers... Ultimately, Jean must sacrifice herself to save the team and humanity itself. What could it all mean in the bigger picture? Could it mean we're about to get a cinematic telling of one of comic books' greatest storylines? Find out next time on X-Men. Ooh. <laughs> no, they don't. They fuck it up. No. <laughs> the whole storyline, though, of the Trojan horse thing about using the Professor as the weapon. Yeah. Fucking pretty good, actually. That's, I do what? I said it earlier. I really love this film. I thought this film was brilliant. I mm. think this film's epic. And do you know what? We'll start off where we we'll start off at the beginning because I think still up there with uh, the Joker robbery Batman scene. I just when I was watching, it, I was like, I can't. I forgot how awesome this scene was. I remember the first time I saw this in the cinema, I was blown away because mm. it was so brilliant, and I'd never seen action like this before. I was like, oh my god, he's actually using his powers. They're not stood at opposite ends of the room just blasting each other. Yeah. <laughs> And it, they and Nightcrawler's powers are wicked. They are wicked. That is such a cool thing, like just to, to like tel- teleport distances. But as long as he's seen it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I just I remember seeing that um, Curtis Manning from Twenty Four. <laughs> he's in it. He's placed one of the presidents. Just, the, just there. Yeah. Just there. Um, I just remember being blown away with that. And, I, and do you know what? And it. And do you know what the most Alan Cummings. He was 
really couldn't it? Mm. Um, even, that, even that German accent? Yeah. Yeah. But I remember Nightcrawler, I always thought it was a bit of a knob. <laughs> but, but I was kicking shit in this. Really liked it. I think it was fantastic. Brian Cox says William Stryker. What a fucking great badass twat. I mean, it, it, you, how'd you get that wrong? You're Brian Cox. You know, you, you've got, you know, you're a villain, you're military, or, you know, you've got a shadow light, uh, you know, mercenary team under your form. You're experimenting on humans and mutants and, you, you know, you're manipulative and horrible. And Brian Cox just eats into that. He laps yeah. it up. I mean, this is his wheelhouse, isn't it? I just think every part of this film is actually brilliant. And this is what I mean. Some of the characters have to fall by the wayside, but to tell a much better story. The story is we are heading towards Magneto joining forces to save the day. We know, we kind of know that's where we're going. But the scenes in between it, when Mystique, uh, like, drugs that bloke and fills his body with iron, and then Magneto's like, ooh, you've had a lot of iron in your diet. And then he, like, proper hands up and he sucks the iron out of his body. You've got the... Oh, yeah, this is another point. I was watching this film, and do you know where uh, Wolverine? Mm. Yeah, he straight up kills quite a few people in this, doesn't he? He just murders them. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they were saying, don't they, in the first one he was too tame. And that was one of the big bits of feedback from fans. And the second one, he just straight up murders people. Like, oh, yeah. Like, brutally. And yeah. I love the Manchester scene. I think it's been, I've read, like, some of the, the kids. I mean, some of, it, some of it is, some of it works. Like, Wolverine, some of the iconic ones are just, like, fucking running into someone. And, yes. and just pinning them to, you know, chest, like, through the chest with the claws. There are then, it's followed very quickly by like him jumping off a chandelier and hitting two people who then catapult out of windows. And you're like, yeah, why like, is everyone on wires? Like, yeah, like the, the trailer jump from the banister. You know, yeah. where he comes down, he's like, Ugh. but before that, he goes up someone and shanks someone in the spine. And then like, it, that's quite brutal. But I would like to point, that's, that action scene was only like nilled by the action scene at the beginning, mm. which, which I still think is one of the best action films, uh, action scenes I've seen in like, Tens of years, I thought it was brilliant. And I love the fact that everything's one up to And I really like the character of Mystique. And thank Christ, because she's fucking awesome in this. Her fight scene, when she infiltrates the base, she's sliding around the floor like a lizard, mate. Do not know what's she happening. Do, she does have lizard-like quality. She is amazing. Rebecca Raminji, Stamos, I've destroyed her name, but do you know what, babes? You are fucking MVP. And then you really kind of get it on with Wolverine at one point, which I don't really understand, because I thought you were... You were banging Magneto. I thought you were better than that. <laughs> yeah, but you scum. But I, you know what, everything about this film was brilliant. Not even mentioning Jean Grey. You know how she started, you know, and I love, right at the beginning, right at the beginning, she's like, she's losing control of her powers. And Scott says to her, Cyclops, Cyclops says to her. Cyclops to you and I. Yeah. yeah. Cyclops says to her, oh, you know, when you have a nightmare, the whole bedroom shakes. And I, was, I remember thinking, it's the only time I'll ever shake with you, Scott, because you were a douche. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one likes you, Cyclops. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this bit as well. Like saying that from day one, they knew this was going to be a trilogy. They, I love it also. You, so you've got this great overarching storyline, multiple storylines over the three ones, but then in creeps this, what you should have been paying attention to, and that was Jean Grey. Someone who didn't read the comic books, I didn't know who Jean Grey evolves into. Yeah, I'm not saying she's a Pokemon, but she certainly evolves <laughs> by that third movie. Um yeah, I, I, I had no idea where that was going and certainly I had no idea that the third movie would be focused on her and yeah. her being this grade five mutant. No, sort of, sort of. no but, <laughs> I, I, but I like it because the second one starts to pave that way. You know, yeah. It kind of starts to suggest that. Again, it, there are some things that don't work. You know, you don't get enough Halle Berry's character. You don't Again, get Storm don't. Yeah. being massively underutilized. It's, you, you know, when get, you've got someone who controls the weather, yeah, get him to drive the ship. That's a good idea. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, they kind of add this um, teenage drama stuff between Pyro, Iceman, and I, I, this is a hill I'll die on. Iceman is a shit name. <laughs> yeah. You, you, Mr. Freeze is better. Dr. Freeze is better. You know, anything is better than 
you shit. Anyway, I know I can have ice cube trademarked, but um, they've got this weird drama. But I like the fact they go to Ice Cube's fucking Iceman's house. Mm. And then there's this, you know, because Iceman hasn't told his parents that he's a mutant. And, you know, uh, Pyro's supposed to be like, he's slowly turning to the dark side. You know, he quite likes what Magneto's saying. He doesn't think he should have to hide. Then Iceman's brother turns on him. And then there's this villainous shot where they're walking outside the house and you see the family, like, in the, the top corner. And then Wolverine gets shot in the head mm. and everyone's about to, you know, there's a possibility that all these characters might die. Family couldn't give a flying fuck that the first one's about to die. It's like, he's mutant now, fuck him. That, that scene is put in there. It's like, oh, fucking hell, like, audiences are really not going to get the message that humans are the real bad guys in this film. <laughs> Quick, put a movie, put a scene in it where the family turn on their, like, oh, this son. For no, <laughs> for no very, reason. Very quickly as yeah. well. Oh, I love you, Bobby. Bobby, you've got to die now. Got to go, Bobby. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. No, you've got to go. You've See you. Yeah, I, I, I like I like that kind of that teenage triangle that they have in it, you know. I mean by this point Rogue really is redundant. She she it was just, she's redundant as a grey streak through the hair. You know, it's just there's just no need. It is a uh, it's it's <clears throat> the worst. It's the it's one of the worst treatment of an X Men character. It's because like I say, her and it, she was one of my favourites. I love Rogue. More Rogue, not this Rogue. Um you get more Wolverine origin yeah which you, i suppose you've got to i mean this one's famous for the again for being a pg-13 in america i think maybe got a 12 over here you know you do get the bloody kind of like emerging scene that he has with the alimentium claws and metal is injected into him but then you've got the naked corridor scene which i think was a bit infamous what was that this one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, i can't remember now i see it's, it's only been a week since i've seen it my mind's gone but i do remember thinking this one really upped it because i remember Wolverine killing about 50 people mm. in a really brutal way, but no blood. So it was fine. Yeah. I remember the characters. I remember, I remember like the secondary, I really liked the kids. Um, and what I love about, there's one kid that quite clearly faked his way into Xavier. The guy is the kid with glasses who can control the TV. Oh yeah, just blink. And he just blinks and he controls the TV because that kid quite clearly got a universal remote in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, no, I'm immune. This is what I can do. <laughs> that, that uh, the, the, did they write in one of the prequels that, the the younger X Men are at that camp, and they let Wolverine out. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because I remember that was one of the Wolverine cameos. Yeah, in one of the first class. No, it's the other way around. Oh no, I get confused because the timeline did do a jump thing in one of them. Because don't they go back to like the seventies or whatever? And isn't it that one where they let him out? Or I, this is where I get all confused. No, that's, with him. I believe in I don't know in a pocket. Gene Grey releases him in one of them, and in another one he releases them. In in Origins, fuck me. In X in Wolverine Origins, because he saves Emma Frost, the diamond one, who's somehow older in a in a past film. But he also saves a young Cyclops because when he get outside, Patrick Stewart's there waiting with a chopper. He's like, "Oh, I'll get you over." Yeah, it's confusing, mate. But there's one of the first classes no, I'm certain. Yeah, yeah because a, a bloody like young Wolverine appears, and yeah. you see another murderous oh, yes. like kind of scene. berserker rage yeah. I think is what they call it. yeah but I, I can't remember which one that is that's the lady from the Game of Thrones she's in that one Sophie Turner yeah Sophie Turner's in that one before she got the spin off in Dark Phoenix or is it in Dark Phoenix it's either in Dark Phoenix or Apocalypse fuck I don't know because those are the two that she's in maybe it's Apocalypse it doesn't matter not really those days will come second one I think this film's brilliant I think it holds up I lo love it better than the first yes yeah, yeah, I, because I think um, Brian Singer got the action right. I think all the characters are better now. What about the ending though, with the reservoir kind of the dam exploding? I like it because of how it ends, because of the sacrifice. Mm. Because what is really cool as well, and I really like this, is a character actually died, 
Now I know my got a big problem when they come back, but when they come back as big of a part of storyline, I've got no problem with it. I love the idea that I love the idea that Wolverine at the end, the you know, Striker's just chained there. He's screaming, you know, they'll turn on you. You know, they'll turn on you. And he's just like, fuck you. And then the kid, the little mutant kid sticks his tongue out, just like he did at the beginning. I love that, mate. Full circle. Do you know? I was kind of thought it was universally accepted that the second one was better than the first one. I, I'm, I'm kind of on par. I like them both equally, I think. Oh, I think the second one's like, I think second was brilliant. I think it's top tier comic book film. Maybe it is actually. Thinking about it, I think you've taught me around. I do remember, because uh, I watched these on DVD this week. Turns out I've got them on Blu-ray. Didn't know. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't know where I got them. Fucking hell. What, they were still in the plastic wrapper. So I must have bought them Ooh, years ago. I hate that when that happens. So, um, yeah, I went in the attic and found them. But the, um, I remember when I put the second one in and it was loading and on the DVD, you get like a montage reel and then yeah. you, and I was like, oh yeah, all this shit happens in this movie. Yeah. Cool. And watched it. And, you know, there, there is a, there is a lot to it where like, you know, you, you're, you're, there's, there's, you know, William Stryker knows the X-Men are crafty, knows Moons are crafty. And there are bits like when, oh, Wolverine's appearing, you open the door. Now that, there's no way that that could be another mutant dressed up, you know what I mean? Or like yeah. mini-play. There's too much of that for me for it to be like, oh, that's fucking convenient. Oh, uh, you know what? I kind of accept it. But then he's, a, he's an X-Men movie. What are you, you going to expect? It's a superhero movie. Yeah. Do you want, no, I'm stick by it. I, I love it. I think it's, it's been, a great continuation. I think any, any, well, the sequel has to carry the baton of the first movie, not just in action character development, but also overarching storyline. And this is something that we talked about where, with the Spider-Man episode is that one and two brilliantly set up a third. And you think, you, how'd you go wrong with the third? Oh. how do you go wrong with the third? You've done all the hard work in two movies. We'll show you. <laughs> we'll show you again. Um, just quickly though, do you remember who, how they stopped the bad guy in this one? They teleport. So it turns out he can teleport, he hasn't seen, he just has to concentrate. So mm. Nightwalk, uh, Nightcrawler does that. And it's, um, instead of like nudging the professor awake, they make it really cold in there because they take Storm with him who creates a fucking temp, like a snowstorm, what an idiot. And then what I love about this is, portrayed by Magneto, because he's never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, it's, that's out of character for Magneto to turn things around. I do like that that scene though, the, the, the scenes, it, to be honest, the whole end sequence of this movie is fucking long. Yeah. It's like 15 minutes of they do get all a- different things happening. Like Wolverine's having a fight in one room. You know, Xavier is is trying to locate all the humans in the in the fake Cerebro and he's being like mind controlled by the brother of Striker. The son, of the yeah. son, sorry, yeah, who is a failed student of his and you're getting all this storyline and exposition and all this stuff and you're like, there's a lot going on and it takes its time. It's a good like 15 minutes, that end sequence. Yeah. I, I, and all so the I- while you've got, I mean, Brian Cox strolling around like if I was him I would have been out I'd be like they've got powers fuck it I'm out boys I'm out I'm off I wouldn't have fucking waited around maybe you needed to otherwise there'd be no point to the rest of the film yeah but it's like it's not the bit when it's like oh you guys no one gets in there you know and all these guys have got the guns it's (laughs) It's like like, you do know the guy coming can control metal like what are you gonna fire BB guns (laughs) he says things he says things like that but then immediately falls to a trap of they could be anyone oh you're right Jim (laughs) Come in. Please, by all means, Jim, come in. Oh, it's that fucking chestnut again. Oh, it's not you. Um, right, you ready? Before we get to the third one, I'm going to break yeah. it up with a bit of a quiz. Okay. I did say I've got a few of these. So, we've talked about... I've got two quizzes. I'm going to do back to back. Okay. The X-Men movie universe. Ooh, here we go. I want you to give me them in chronological order. Okay. So, not the order in which they were made. If you were to watch these from start to finish... Yeah. Now there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen. X Men 
first class. Yes, 2011. So if you were to watch these in chronological order based on the events that are depicted within the films, you need to watch X-Men First Class first. What's the second? Now, this one's split across. It's either the last one or the second one. X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah, in 2014. So it's set in 2023. And? But they time travel to 73, which is where the majority of the movie takes place. So technically, you should watch this one here. X-Men. We're going to come back to that 2023 bit though, because that's where I get really confused. X-Men 20, X-Men 20, <laughs> that one. X-Men Apocalypse. No, the, technically no. the next is Origins Wolverine. Is it? So filmed in 2009, but it's set in oh. 1979. So it's set uh, six years after X-Men Days of Future Past is the Wolverine movie. Shit. That's irritating me. Uh, next one. So what's the fourth in the sequence? Apocalypse. Net, yeah, so in 2016, but set in the 1980s. Then it's got to be Phoenix. Dark Phoenix, yeah, that's set in 1992. Then it's X-Men? Yeah, set in 2000. So now here's a quick question. Yeah. What the hell happened in eight years to to James McAvoy and, and um, Brexit? And Michael Fassbender? <laughs> he did fucking taxes, like, I mean, <laughs> I know people age and everything, but wow. Well, what, what happened was... Um, Mutation. So Ian McKellen, the, the X gene, mate. Let's say Ian McKellen is fifty-five, and that's generous. That's generous. That's generous <laughs> in that first movie. So what are you telling me, like, like Michael Fassbender is in uh, in Dark Phoenix? It's, uh, it's late forties. Forty-six. Time's been. So sorry, you happened. There, there's the movie I want to see. Is what happened between Dark Phoenix and X Men? There's, there's that favorite story, isn't there, about? Um, McAvoy getting cast as Professor X and shaved his head and they turned up on set and they were like, no, no not yet. we need to explain your hair loss. Because <laughs> that's a very important part of the film. Yeah, well, he's wearing his wig for the most of it. Uh, so so just to recap, so we've got uh, X-Men First Class, X-Men Days of Future Past, X-Men Origins Wolverine, X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Dark Phoenix, then X-Men, then... X-Men 2. Full title. X2 Unite. Actually, it's uh, X2 FC, sorry. <laughs> Uh, then it's such a dick and the third one it's got to be last yeah, stand last stand then, and then it goes Wolverine yeah is this is is uh, spring break to um, his summer off when he goes to Japan yes with the travesty which everyone was expecting it to be great now this is where it's getting well confusing mate because technically they separate the storylines now because one of them is Logan then the other one's X-Men Days of Future Past they can't exist in the same one yeah because one of them, because Logan's at the end, whereas Days of Future Past is in the future, so it depends how your storyline's out. Logan and, so I've worked this out, Logan cannot exist in the same world as Days of Future Past. So he's, yeah, because how is Professor X still alive yeah. in Logan? Yeah. But he isn't at the end of Last Stand. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. So if they were in the same timeline, mm. then they couldn't be because Professor X is in, the, is in Days of Future Past. This goes back to me saying I'm, I'm not, up to date with the timeline. They yep. don't explain that then. So that is still a gaping that's wound. The, that's still a wound. Because I think what happens is you do Logan, you watch it and it's fine. And then I suppose you're supposed to think that, oh no, fucking another storyline. Another timeline. He's fucking comic books in it. They can make up shit. What's next after the, the Wolverine? Logan. No, it's Deadpool. Oh, it's fucking Deadpool and then Deadpool 2 and then it's Logan. I forgot about the Deadpool. Uh, well, it's Deadpool 2016. And then it's... Oh, New Mutants. New Mutants, yeah, which is was supposed to be set in the 90s. But then when they were filming it, they quickly changed it to set it in 2020. Then it's Deadpool 2. And then it's Logan. Logan. Yeah, that is your Do rundown. You I never saw the Mutants. You've seen it. New Mutants, yeah. Any good? 
Uh, no, I wanted to like it. I wanted to like Anna Taylor Joy's in it. I wanted to, you know, because she, she's incredible. Um, it's all right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like this when, because Logan is testament to this, is when you take a very popular franchise and you do something different. Do something different and you almost give it a new theme. And I'm excited that when you hear that Doctor Strange's, the next movie is going to be a bit of a horror. I like that they, they did an X-Men movie that was psychological horror. It had this kind of like asylum feel to it. Mad I, I was, feel, yeah. Yeah, I was like fucking all over that. Um, it just doesn't pay off. And again, it's this, it's one of these like, it's one of them that had a meaning uh, and had a kind of purpose that they just spoon fed you all the way through, you know, believe in yourself, you know, and yeah. don't let the bastards put you down, that kind of feel to it. It's like, you don't have to keep screaming it at every scene. We get it. We get that that's how you're going to overcome it's the like, baddie. It's like the opposite of Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> just like, let it consume you. Yeah. <laughs> Your shit. Um, <laughs> But Logan, fuck it, outstanding. It's time we'll come, mate. It's time we'll come. It's time we'll come. Before we get into the next one, because the other thing I remembered about X-Men Last Stand was loads of new mutants. It was like, oh, this is, you know, our last chance to put in all these little cameo mutants and all these ones that we haven't had chance to show you. Yep. So I've got a list here, James. You bastard. Here's a couple of questions. Quiz, who was the first mutant? First mutant ever. Mm. The first mutant ever? Yeah. In terms of timeline. So in the comic book, who is known as the earliest, the first ever mutant? Apocalypse. Nah, see, they fell into the trap because En Sabanur, who translates to the first one, is actually false. It's Selena Gallio, who's a psychic vampire who's 17,000 years old. So Apocalypse has lied to me. Yep. Bullshit. Uh, here's a game called What's My Power? I'm going to give you the name of an ever <laughs> mutant. You just tell me what their power is. Okay. First one, I scream. That's E-Y-E. Scream, I scream. His eyes emit sonic tears. You'd think that, but no, he can turn into any flavour ice cream. It's fucking not true. It is true. He appeared in one comic in 1983. Ice cream. Ice cream. And so I E Y E. Yeah. And he does. So he turns into awesome. a flavour of ice cream. That's fucking bold. Why? Gold ball. He's got gold balls. <laughs> he can fire a gold ball from his body. Just the ones. They then have to go collect it. As you know, the image I saw, he's got quite a few. Um, Glob Herman. Fuck off. He can turn himself into goo. He, his skin goes transparent, but not his organs or bones. So villains still, villains still see him. So the only way he could actually camouflage himself is in the doctor's office. <laughs> in, in a pile of organs. <laughs> yeah, Zeitgeist. Immediate knowledge of the local area. <laughs> <laughs> Acidic vomit. <laughs> and jazz. He can perform mu- when he plays music. You cannot stop. You have to dance. You it's- see, that might come in useful. Yeah. No, he turns his skin blue. <laughs> to infiltrate the blue mango. I don't know. What is the point in those powers? Can you imagine it? Like, like the X-Men. Oh my God. Apocalypse is here. It, you know, we're all dying. Every, the whole world's come along. He's in a room. He's in a room of blue. Well, <laughs> Charles just puts his hand up in the back. Hello. <laughs> can sort you out. I mean, we, we, it's the infamous question is like, what power would you want? And we did this online this week and I still stand by mine would be speak to animals. Yeah, but that's, that's noble and stuff like that. I genuinely would pick, I, you know what, I'd pick invisibility or I'd pick morphine and I would just fuck about. Just be like, move people's keys. Just irritate someone to... Like, Stop you time it? would be cool. It would be cool, but I, you know what? I would just want to irritate people. I wouldn't want them to take over the world. I wouldn't want to rob a bank. I'd just like to irritate my... Just be a little shit. Yeah, just... The, mate, the most powerful man, Boris Johnson. Just imagine going, in, going into his house. Not, not getting the nuclear codes or anything. Just be like, 
Moving a lamp. Like hiding his keys. And he's like, what the fuck are my keys? <laughs> just like put them in the fridge and then put the fridge in the moon. <laughs> just like, what is going on? You're not the hero we need, James. You are the hero we deserve. <laughs> just that's. I just want to annoy people. But then some people put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> Do you know what's really weird what? Uh, about X-Men Last Stand? That it exists and that, you know, the, the, the film that it's set up in true, like Spider-Man 3, it just fucked it right up the swan. <laughs> and it's got Kelsey Grammer in it. Mate. Right. I'm not it's odd. That. It's very odd. I'm not having that. We're going to talk about this in a sec. It's time for the X-Men to take on their biggest threat to date, Director Brett Ratner. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, there is a cure to the X-Gene that's been causing all these mutants you've been hearing about. Worthington Labs sets up on Alcatraz Island to begin distributing the cure to these mutants that you... that To mutants that want it. So not going to force them out. And also, I don't think... They really... So you don't like a location piece finale. When they're talking about Alcatraz and they say, they actually use this line to justify it. They go, oh, this statement of prison will now be like a statement of of humankind. It's just like, we get it. You want an Alcatraz Island. You, mm. you basically want a scene later with the bridge. Yeah. Like, it's like, we get it. We don't have to spoon feel bullshit. Magneto uses this as an opportunity to take to the streets to create a huge mutant brotherhood army. The thing that he's been promising for the last two films, but hasn't actually done it. He's doing it now. And that is a bit of a letdown when you see him later. And oh. it's like, there's just not a lot of them. It just really, doesn't look that good. Oh shit. And they've all got these powers and they're living in tents in the woods. They've all got these useless powers. <laughs> yeah, but they've still got powers, haven't they? You still, like Magneto, would like use metal to build a fucking like roof, would he? Yes, but as we, as we he was in the woods, <clears throat> mate. Yeah, that's what I mean. Why are they in the woods? What are they? Feral. You know Cyclops? Yeah. Well, meanwhile, Cyclops is sad and goes to mourn by the lake where Jean died. Well, shy surprise, she ain't dead. But you are Cyclops. <laughs> lucky that he turned up when he did, isn't it? Or unlucky. <laughs> I love the fact Cyclops dies off screen and we as an audience are supposed to care. No one liked James Marsden did a great job because when Cyclops died, I didn't care. <laughs> so sensing poor writing in the film, Xavier sends Wolverine and Storm to retrieve Gene. <clears throat> Turns out when Gene was a child, Xavier sensed a powerful alternative personality inside her that they called the Phoenix. Ooh. Xavier used his powers to suppress and trap this personality. Um, this personality to stop Phoenix, this godlike powers, unlimited potential. They do this really stupid thing in this film, um, which you mentioned earlier. They grade the mutants. So it turns out grade that- Grade five. Yeah, she's a grade five, but Magneto's only like a grade three or four. He's a basic bitch, isn't he? Yeah, and you just like, and his army's made up of grade ones. That's fucking stupid, isn't it? Anyway, the gene that has risen from the grave is the phoenix and not the gene we once knew. The phoenix destroys her childhood home and kills Professor Xavier so he can get in time home for lunch because, <laughs> because Patrick Stewart is fucking done with this movie. He then joins Magneto, who has decided to march on Alcatraz and destroy the cure. The remaining X-Men, now led by Storm, only joking... It's still Wolverine. <laughs> uh, team up with Hank McCoy, a mutant diplomat called Beast, and travel to Alcatraz to fight the Brotherhood and save the day, despite the fact they are heavily outnumbered. There's a load in this that I like, though. It's maybe not the movie, but in the writing. Like, I like Beast as a character, that the name, the connotation of it, that he's feral and untamed, but in actual, he's a scientist and he's very articulate. Mm. You know, I really like that I, with a lot of the characters in this in this third movie that they introduce. But again, they do shoehorn a lot of characters in very quickly that you're like, I'm not entirely sure I care a lot or I'm going to get invested in Angel. Well, it's, it's funny you should mention that because mm. um, guess what? After that's all finished, 
did you forget about the phoenix? Because the film sure did. Turns out that she flips her fucking lid and starts disintegrating people. It's disintegrating everything like she's fucking Thanos. If only there was someone who could save the day. That's right. The original X-Men himself. The one, the only. Wolverine. <laughs> because, they, because Wolverine. And no, I, I'm with you. Do you know what? I hated this film when it came out because... I would like to say the first two are kind of art. They're, they're classical music. They're teasing you in. There's a lot of intrigue. There's, do you know what? I was really interested in the debate of humanity against mutants. And I think that carries on. In the second one, you see the extreme. You see Stryker who like frames mutants for an, an assassination attempt. Uh, you know, that's really clever. In this one, it's like, fuck it, battle. Mm, war, yeah. I would like to point out that I really liked Kelsey Grammer's. I thought it was great. When I heard he was playing Beast, I was like, oh my God, Frazier is going to play Beast. I was over the moon. And do you know what? I wasn't disappointed. I think he did an absolutely phenomenal job. And here it is. Wait for it. Beast is my favourite X-Men character. Because of this or just in general? Oh no, I, just, I always preferred Beast because I'm with you. I really like, you know, Beast, you're supposed to think. You're like Wolverine kind of. But Beast isn't. Beast is suave. And he always does. And this film did a really good job of, you know, when he's like hanging on, he's reading like material, but also bouncing off the walls like he's on fucking Ritalin. I really like Beast. Do you, do you, can you imagine being a, a fly on the trailer wall of Frasier? I don't know if it was still, I don't know when no, that well, show it was, ended. It was done. It was but, done by now. But well, it's certainly a reunion though, where like David Hyde Pierce is like, I've just done this movie, right? Now, I couldn't commit to the role. I couldn't get in the suit. There's this very talented guy called Doug Jones. He's done it. I've just lent the voice. Yeah. And you know, it's and he's comic such a good movie. job that I've taken my name yeah, off it. But people will watch it and they'll go, Oh, that's the guy from Frasier, it's the brother in Frasier. Like, you know, and um it's a comic book movie, you know. What what you been up to, Kelsey Grammer? I've also been in a comic book movie, but I did put on the blue suit, and people do know it's me. And it's a bit weird. Horseshit. I accept it. I think it's fantastic. I think, you know what, Kelsey Grammer, brilliant as based. I love Beast. And do you know what really pisses me off is Beast is no longer my favourite due to some of the other films that come up. But I was really happy with Kelsey Grammer's Beast. That's fantastic. Beast, his friendship with uh, Logan is one of my favourite things of the X-Men franchise. Uh, him and Gambit and Rogue. Never Jubilee. Jubilee shit. Jubilee yeah. is shit. Never accept Jubilee. Channing Tatum was trying to be Gambit for ages, wasn't Yeah, it? I really liked Gambit, but I really liked his voice. Um, Tyler Kurtz, do you remember that guy who we always, I always seem to slag off every way? He was, I'm sure he played Gambit in X-Men Origins. Yeah, and, but yeah, I think he and did. And he was shit. Yeah. Um, but no, I was really happy to see Beast. Um, this is the kind of movie that Ben Foster now, who is a very good actor. Will just ignore us. He's, he's like, like, yeah, you know, well, everyone, everyone has a death note. You know, like, he's, <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, I was, I was artistic, what, you know. Why is he there? His role, is to, his role is to not get the cure and to save his dad that you're not supposed to like from being thrown out of a building. Yay. Go, Angel. No one gives a shit. Yeah, Warren Worthington III. Don't get, mate. Eric Dane as Marvel man is power. Is that's do you know what? They dropped the ball on villains on this one. They they just wanted to cram them in. So there's something we haven't talked about. It gets rid of a load of established characters in this. Mystique, who is one of the best things of the franchise so far, gets injected with the cure. Uh, they weaponize the cure to stop Magneto, um, and he's out. <clears throat> She's out of the film. It's like do one of your best henchmen, one of your best villains throughout the last two films and you've just written them out in like a 20 minute sequence. Fuck you, it's Brett Ratner. The, the, the only reason they did it is, is so it was not that, it's to show Eric, the Magneto go, 
Well, I no longer care about you. Yeah, but still, horseshit. Charles. Yeah. Like, every movie is Charles. Like, it's just so that he could turn his back on her in a heartbeat because she's yeah. no longer a mutant. He's like, we get it, Magneto. You're yeah, fucking, we get you're it. a slut for mutants. Yeah, right? he is a slut for mutants because then he leaves with fucking Eric Dane. But let's be honest, the crowning turd. <laughs> he's, he's coming. He's coming. That's it, packed in, I don't in know a fake you, helmet and a bodysuit. I don't know who you think you are, mate, because I'm the fucking juggernaut. He's <laughs> a line that, that somehow. Has has dwarfed the shittiest line of what happens to a toad when it gets hit by lightning. Mate, your line is worse. And all you've done is stage your name. Mm. <laughs> I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Oh, you made you made Elliot Page look hardcore. Oh, he fuck you. I do like at the very next scene. They, there's a scene where then they go to Jean Grey's house. Yeah. Professor X and Magneto turn up at the same time. And he says to Juggernaut, he's just recruited him. He's just seen, Juggernaut's just seen like, you know, he'll turn his back on anyone. Yeah. And he's like, he points to Wolverine, he's like, don't let him in the house. First thing Juggernaut does is pick up Wolverine, throw him in the house. It's like the complete opposite. <laughs> the complete fucking opposite. Yeah, but well, he probably thought he'll be fine because the one thing that's established is he's made of metal. <laughs> Magneto can control metal. Do you know who played Juggernaut in Deadpool? Oh, I feel like I should know it. I don't. Ryan Reynolds. Did he? Yeah. Play Juggernaut mm. as well? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Did I'm going to check because I'm pretty certain that's right. Yeah. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Pretty certain. But that's how you do roles. Juggernaut correctly. In this, it's just Vinnie Jones. Do you remember I thinking at the time, I've never watched a film before and thought they should have just hired a professional bodybuilder or a wrestler. Like, he doesn't need to speak, does he? He's the Juggernaut bitch. <laughs> he doesn't have to say anything. Vinnie Jones, somehow you picked... You picked a role that that was wrong for you, and you've picked many of them before. But this is a crowning turd. <laughs> it is. It was not a good watch. But you know what? I'm going to stick up for parts of it now. No, I'm not. I'm going to slag it off some more. Uh, the Phoenix Saga mm-hmm. is one of the biggest. Is probably the biggest Marvel comic book storyline. It's up there, you know, with the top ten. You know, they have to kill a beloved friend. I believe that's what happens in the original because the Phoenix can't be contained. They have to kill Jean Grey. She doesn't kill and come back to life. I could be paraphrasing this. I've read these as a kid. It was one of the first comic books I've read. It was so powerful and in your face. It was, I remember people, I remember people telling me that they cried about it. You know, after a comic book, you didn't know you could feel these emotions. To see it on the big stage, it, it, they made such a big deal at the beginning of the film and at the end of the film. And in it, she's fucking nothing. It, it's, it's a big letdown for what I thought was amazing. A storyline, I remember everyone in the cinema at the end of X-Men 2 going, I can't believe they're going to do the Phoenix Saga. It's, like, it's going to be awesome. And he's barely in it. Mm. He's barely in it. All they did was they put Fram Jensen, uh, Fram Jensen it did like some heavy makeup and made it look a bit gaunt. It was shit. It was absolute turd. It was awful. And what really pissed me off, I'm never a big fan in, you know, true love. Wolverine, the one person who can't be disintegrated, you know, marching up to her to kill her because he loves her. When... All she's done for the last two films is deny his glances. The person who should have done that is Cyclops. Yeah, yeah. And it's the one time I'm ever going to give Cyclops, Wolverine should have thought it's about him, but he not be able to get through to it, and it should have been about Cyclops. Or Storm, you know, someone who's who's her oldest friend. Logan, you, you didn't deserve it, mate. You met her once, you fucked off, fucked off up a lake once, you come back, you've had about eight minutes with her. She don't love you, mate. She's friend-zoned you. Fuck off. <laughs> But it is the it's the Wolverine show. It is the Wolverine show. I, you thought it was X Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this to me is when I've really started. It's, I liked the first one. Wolverine's a gateway into him. Second one, do you know what? I think they shared the kind of the screen time between you know Striker and X Men. And this one, though, is it's, when when it's the Poochie conundrum. So do you remember the episode of? The Simpsons, when it's almost like when Poochie's not on the screen, they should be talking about him. Here it's like Wolverine. Where's Wolverine? What's Wolverine mm. up to? Oh, you thought this was about this? The Dark Phoenix, fuck off. 
Where's Wolverine? He's having a shit. <laughs> I think also let down by that when they then did the origin story, which makes it even more confusing. The, like, I, I'm gonna, not going to lie. I only saw X-Men Dark Phoenix once, or Dark Phoenix, I don't think it needs the X-Men, but the Dark Phoenix. I only saw, I've only seen that once at the cinema. I don't think in that movie it showed, did it show you Xavier blocking out that part? Because she's very much established as the Phoenix at the end of that movie. Yeah. And I can't remember if in that movie... Were you talking about the, the newer ones that Yeah, the Seth Turner one. I haven't actually seen it. All oh, right. Because I've heard it's crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I think it suffered from reshoots, didn't it? It is. And also at the same time, uh, I believe Marvel had just regained the rights. So Sony was like, why would we put any more money into this film? Yeah. yeah so I think it had the... It had like a whole end sequence that was going to be on an aeroplane or space. Uh, and, oh, and, space. And, yeah, space. Sense. And then it ended on a train and they had to redo it all. Because in the comics, I'm fairly certain it's a entity that senses how strong Jean Grey is. And, you know, she just doesn't unlock her potential. And that's why she picks her. Whereas in this one, it's kind of like she's boarded off. And I believe that's what happens in Dark Phoenix. Mm. I, I, do you know what? That's comic books though for you. There's so many different storylines. However, this one was, the writing was poor. The action was was, was sloppy. Except for the last, you know what, the last fight scene, it was about 20 minutes long. That's actually pretty good. You're finally seeing what you've wanted to see. Mutants with various powers fighting mutants. It wasn't actually, mm. I slagged this film off when it came out, but you know, re-watching it recently, I actually don't think it's as bad as I remembered. There are some good scenes, like the bit when, um, the, the the bit when uh, Magneto kind of saves, well, he goes to save uh, Mystique before turning his back on her, where they realise that they've weaponized the the cure, if you like, the yeah. cure loosely. That scene when he's like flipping cars left, right, and center, and, and everything like you're like, oh, he is badass. He is, he is. a badass villain. Um, and I like the kind of mechanics that they do. That then when he turns back, and you're like, oh, he's also ruthless and he's heartless. And then when he's trying to be the voice in the ear to Jean Grey, and she like breaks the gun apart and threatens him, you also realize that she's so much more powerful. It, do, it yeah. does, it does live by its convictions. It say, it kind of says on paper, right? She's really powerful, and it shows you how powerful she is. So I, I do like that, but. She doesn't do anything with it. Yeah, that's. I think that's the. the I, w- I I thought the film would have been fucking brave if she killed off everyone. Wolverine somehow survived, and yeah. then he went off on his own adventures as lost. It would have been dark. It would have been horrible, and it wouldn't have been the the you know the the franchise ending. But it would have been better than the sacrifice of an artificial love. Yeah, it, I, I'd really because that's the one thing I n- never invested in was their their relationship. It's if anything, done- it's almost. It's almost pervy and praying by the third movie. It's like, yeah, yeah. What, how, like, how many times must I say no to you? Yeah, she's not your girlfriend. She's with someone. She's, she's also she's a technically diff- dead. <laughs> <laughs> she is a different person now. And yeah. you're like, I love you, baby. <laughs> Bub. Um, yeah, he doesn't do enough bubs in this. He does a few in the first two, doesn't he? He does. He in the car, it's every other word. Um, no, so ultimately disappointment. However, I do like the additions. It's got, it's, I remember seeing it the first after scene credit where fucking Patrick Stewart's not dead. He's not disintegrated, which somehow does not make sense to me. He's just like, oh, is that when they sit down and play chess? No. So um, I believe what happens is halfway through it, because Magneto gets gets the cure, so he's lost his powers. Then you see him play, he's in a park playing chess and he starts, he's trying one to move. Wobbles, isn't one of the wobbles, does However, I'm sure this is one that right at the end, might be a different film, but I'm sure it's this one. There's a body wrapped completely like you know the old school 80s where someone's injured and they put like tape around their entire head mm. there's a character like that and he just says Moira listen to me it's in Patrick Stewart's voice so the implication that he's not dead he's actually a corpse in a hotel somewhere or hotel hospital and he's trying to talk to someone to let them out right but I, I, I can't remember anyway bollocks absolute horseshit 
film does have redeeming qualities. Finally, Halle Berry gets a bigger role. She steps up. She's the leader of the X-Men. But it doesn't matter because in the next scene, it's fucking Wolverine. Mm. Cyclops gets a bigger role. Um, Key Price, played by Elliot Page, bigger part, substantial, which is good because in the late films, she's actually... Uh, Keep Price is a really important character. Obviously, X-Men, Days of Future Past. Um, Iceman's got a bigger role. I like the fact that they do pay off his uh, once friendship, now rivalry with Pyro. Outside a scene like, kind of like um, like a 60s civil rights movie, you know, where people are petitioning for the vote and you've got those people protesting the cure whilst people are lining up to get it. Um, Some very, very bad yeah. Uh, um, yeah. actors in the background there. Yeah, very bad. Who do not know what they're supposed to be chanting, so their mouths are moving, but they're not saying anything. Yeah. It's very fucking bad. Oh, and uh, it's finally time to stick a knife in Rogue because she's proper She's proper fucking done now. The baddest ass character that you've ever had and one of the gr- and one of comic book's greatest female characters. Yeah, she gets the cure so she can kiss her boyfriend. Fucking horseshit. <laughs> I've re- I'll be honest with you, that really pissed me off. When she shows up at the end and he's like, I made my choice, I want to be with you. It's like, you fucking knob. You've ruined Rogue. You've ruined this film. Fuck you, Brett Reiner. Couldn't even fly. <laughs> Couldn't even fly. Hashtag not my Rogue. As you can tell, uh, not a fan. Not a fan of the third one. However, there are some good points. And let's be honest, he moves the fucking Golden Gate Bridge in an epic scene. Mm. That's really cool. Do you like the family that stay in their cars though? Like, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just, why would we run out? That's it, it's it, the bridge it, scene when you're like, you get this impression that he's recruited this like giant <laughs> army. And then the bridge scene, you're like, oh, was 20 of them? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah I, I must admit, I, I, I didn't have fond memories of the third and going back and rewatching it this week, I didn't go into expecting anything. Um, and, it, and it certainly delivered on that because it didn't show me anything. But no. Not enough school in it. You do, yeah, you do want to, yeah, because that is a, you know, the school is an integral part of the infrastructure of the movie. Like it's the scene you relax in. It's like, uh, do you remember we talked Harry Potter? Harry, mm. The best parts of Harry Potter are set in the school. When they're like in... You're doing the later films where they're not in there. So I don't give a toss. Go back to potions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I do, uh, I do like the the school scenes. It's particularly the second one where, like you say, where the the Marines kind of storm it, and and you get to see again some characters very briefly. You don't even need to need, even need to introduce their names. You just see them like run for a war, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. You know. Yeah, I, the, I like the X-Men movies. I still do. I still think the first and second are particularly strong movies. That third one, probably give it a miss now. Yeah. I've, I've got one quiz question for you. Yeah. Kid Omega. What was his special power? He's a character in the third film. <sighs> What's the scene? No, I tell you that, you'll get it. He's Kid played, Omega. Kid Omega. Pretty cool name, isn't it? Yeah. Kid Omega. Oh my God, it's Kid Omega. Yeah, he, I think he's a porcupine because he kills someone by hugging them and then porcupines them. Do you know what, you, Ken Long? You know what, oh, it's Ken Long's character. Yeah, when he holds oh, he him, spikes him. And he spikes him. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. shit. Imagine being that's your mutant power. <laughs> You've, the guy controls metal and I'm slagging off any James, but he's on, once he starts, he cannot stop. On the other side, you've got a blue-like genius, a man made of metal... Um, a young girl that can run through walls and you've got fucking one to control the weather. What's your power? You give you a hug and maybe spike you with some pork You fucking knob. Get there's, in the river. There is a bit where he squares up and he's a Magneto and he like shows him his power quickly. And Magneto's like, step down, bitch. But then he's like, no metal. Oh shit. <laughs> fucking runs. I do like that bit though when all the underground like villainous, you know, rebellious That is cool. When they're like, uh, where's your mark? Because like, they've all like tattooed themselves to identify as mutants and he shows the- And he'll never mark it. Yeah, again. he's like, that's the only needle that's ever pierced my skin. Do you want, let's, let's finish on a high. Some of the writing was actually very good on this. We said earlier about the scene where he learns about uh, uh, Patrick Stewart's death, Xavier's death. Quite a powerful mm. speech I found. 
And you're right, that bit is like, no one will ever mark my skin again. There's actually some pretty good lines. The speech that Halle Berry gives, Storm gives at the funeral. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty good. It's like this Only to be wasted by t- flashing over to Wolverine who didn't put on a fucking black tie. What a cock. What yeah, an that, absolute what, yeah. cock. But, Just, but, he, but he stays in that guy's mansion. Yeah. He's <laughs> fucking drinking his beer and his chocolate milk and doing whatever else. Just randomly showing up going, I'm going to live here for a bit. Fucking- I do I do like that bit in, in X-Men 1 where he walks into Cerebro with the cigar on and... Uh, and Professor X is like, I'd put that out if I was you or you'll live the rest of your life as a six-year-old girl. I'll even, <laughs> I'll even have Jane plait your hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing, isn't it? In, in Wolverine 1, you have to get over, when you revisit it, the obscure hairstyle of Hugh Jackman that is obviously part of the character and yeah. the mutton chops kind of beard. And you kind of go with it. By the third one, you completely settle into it. And then now, whenever I see Hugh Jackman without it, I'm yeah. like, what's going on? What a freak. Yeah. You? What's going on? I, I think the problem was the second one... It died, it ended with the death of a beloved character. And then the third one felt like it had to up the ante, get rid mm. of sight. Now, I know why they got rid of James, because obviously he wasn't going to be around for filming, so they wanted to kill him off. But I just think Cyclops' death should have been more, it should have been more, because whilst whilst I don't give a toss about Cyclops, Cyclops and Gene is a big thing. Mm. So he should have played a part in that. And fucking, when Xavier dies, he's got a smile on his face. And I just I just think that Patrick Stewart was like, fucking done. <laughs> Bring me back when Logan's out. <laughs> See Which you. is an outstanding movie. I mean, talk, we talked about the chronological order earlier. X-Men First Class, when I watched that for the first time, I thought it was a tremendous movie. It's transformed, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I've only ever seen it the once, but when I did see it, I thought, Kevin Bacon is the villain, Mark Fassbender and um, James McAvoy sharing screen time. Introduction of new cast playing characters you know, but big names, like... Certainly the X-Men up until then had certainly become what these three movies showed was that they became, they're profitable and they are attractive for A-listers. First class is a testament to that. Look yeah. at how many fucking names are in that movie. A lot of them I get confused with. I can't remember Apocalypse. I can't believe that that is Oscar Isaacs in that movie. That's what, you know what? And I'm, X-Men's like my second favourite comic book because of its villains and Apocalypse is one of my favourite villains because of the voice I heard in the animated cartoon when mm. I was a child. Oscar Isaac's a pillock. I absolutely shit in that film. I hated it. Yeah, he and the one who cast on to it and then later on... I like this thing about Oscar Isaacs. He's like... Um, he's just he, the wrong person. It's well, he, he cast him. it because he had Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. And then, Why wouldn't you? Well, then he was like, and then I didn't realise I was going to be blue and, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. It's like, well, again, read the fucking, fucking script <laughs> and do your research before you say yes to a movie. Um, Maybe he just showed up and acted like a fucking a nuclear explosion. <laughs> A lot of them I don't, again, remember too much. Like Wolverine, the origin one, that's the one with the Deadpool shit version, isn't yeah. it? And Will I Am in it. Will I Am is in it. And um, oh, who plays Sabretooth? Liv oh, Schreiber. Liv Schreiber. Yeah. Because I quite like Liv Schreiber. I, I like Liv Schreiber. It was nice to see him in like a big film again. Um, Shame. But it ended on such a fucking high Logan. What a film. What a film. You, you, so you get confused in the X-Men first class ones. Uh, Days of Future Past is the one that's got... That's the one that confuses me. That's got the... Peter Dinklage. It's Peter Dinklage, but it's got the past and the present. So it's got it's got the films we were talking about today. Yes, this is what I didn't get. So it's set in 2023. And, Do you know what? The and film- they look like they're about to all die. Yeah, so yeah. But so it- when, where does that happen? Because then Lo- when that's, Logan that's happens, like in 2023. That's right. Logan happens in 2029. So Logan's so those films are in separate timelines because this film, genuinely, if you watch it, X Men: Days of Future Past exists to retcon and remove the third film. Right, mate, you're gonna have so much fun. I, I very rarely guarantee it. X Men: Days of Future Past, second one, is a brilliant film. 
I, I remember quite enjoying it. I remember because Dinklage was hot at the time with Game of Thrones and everything like that. And it's got Jennifer Lawrence in it. It's got James McAvoy in a scene where he goes up against Sir Patrick Stewart and that's fucking epic, mate. And it's got uh, that great scene with Quicksilver in it. Oh, it's that? Yeah, that's yeah. I remember one. they introduced it's, Quicksilver. It's the first Quicksilver one, in it? That's Magneto's son, don't they? They don't say it, but they, they say it. strongly like, suggest it's him. Mom? Yeah. The, um, so we, who's the villain in that one? A man. Man and also Peter Dinklage. And Which the is the one where at the end they're just like, they're foot wolverine off, they just throw him in a lake. Oh, know? that's that one. He's that one. Yeah, because, because, and this is a good metaphor. I mean, I hope we do these films all the time, so I don't get too much into it. The metaphor is Wolverine gets them to where they need to go, but he's not the hero of the piece. So he literally gets fucked off. Yeah. So he gets fucked off. And then the final showdown is between the characters, Charles Xavier, Magneto and Mystique. Because obviously Jennifer Lawrence got huge. So the character of Mystique fucking blew up. So she was like in charge of everything. And that pissed me off. Yeah, yeah. Mystique is like, and that's what I don't get because she's part of the X-Men. And do they, and it, they never do acknowledged, it, never they, acknowledged. In the, in the original, in these three, it's never like, Charles Xavier don't go, oh, I used to know Mystique. <laughs> she used to, she was my best mate. She's like my sister. When he, when he sees a lady, he's like, Who's that Mystique? Bitch? Yeah, he's just like, ew. <laughs> Never seen her. And again, you're supposed to think they're the same age because them early movies make you think that they are the same age or at least a few years apart. Well, they were 17 apparently when they met. <laughs> Fuck. No. Uh, they like kids in one of the scenes, No, Magneto and Charles Xavier. Mate, we, we, we've gone off on a tangent here. But I do remember First Class being wicked. First Class is wicked. I just remember that bit of the end with Kevin Bacon and the coin and being like, oh, it's badass. Oh, it is badass. I'm going to rewatch them. There's I'm a great scene in Argentina as well. It's like, I like Magneto as a hunter. Yeah. He's a predator. He's going around getting revenge. That's cool. I'm going to rewatch those ones, I think. I cannot remember liking Apocalypse. No, no one did. I don't remember liking uh, the Wolverine, the one, no, the Japan I one. I no, remember I that was the one where he got insanely in good shape. Yeah. This is that was also. There's a lot this. of samurai shit in that one. So that's the film that ends. The after scene credits. He goes through a. He comes back to America and he goes through the. What do you call it? The metal. Detector. An airport metal detector and it doesn't go off. Oh, no, it does go off and no one reacts and he realizes everyone rounds him frozen and then that's when he says Magneto and uh, Patrick Stewart says we need you setting up Days of Future Past. The only difference is between the end of that film and the start of Days of Future Past, there's about forty years, <laughs> so it still doesn't really make any sense. Right. There you go. That's just confused you more, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you'll see it. <laughs> Fuck it. All right, that's my homework then. Any other business? Uh, no. It was, it was great talking about the X-Men with you, man. I really enjoyed this franchise. I, do you know what? Holds up. I still say one of the more successful and consistent. I know we slagged off the third one, but do you know what? Not as bad as I remembered. I, I think age has been okay to it. Better than Spider-Man 3 has been. Yeah. And I thought X-Men 3 had good points Oh, I certainly enjoyed X-Men 3 this week yeah. more than I enjoyed Spider-Man 3. So do you know what? As a trilogy... I'm going to say hold up. Early 2000s comic book film before the before Shared Universe. A very good watch. Mm. Cool. Uh, that's our show. Next week, I think we're going to do an Amazon kind of just exploring some of the new movies that are on Amazon. Things like Guns Akimbo. Um, Jolt. Jolt and a few other movies. And if we get a chance, we'll do Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad as yeah. well. So and um, then I think we're just going to kickstart the summer of uh, superheroes. Probably something like The Punisher. Mate. Maybe. There you go. We'll figure it out. All right, guys. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.